Welcome to episode 234 of Texing, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And today, we are in our usual recording place, but we've, we've changed our seating situation, and we're trying this uh, on two separate sofas, so it's a very kind of relaxed situation here. Maybe, should take a, maybe we should take a photo. Maybe not. And then put it up, put it up on the... Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. We could take a photo of the two of us. We have to have, so we have, to have somebody else. In, in How about taking a photo of the empty sofas? Do you call it sofas in, in the US? Uh, you can call it a sofa or a couch. A sofa or a couch, yeah. It's pretty much the same thing. Huh. What's I, don't, the- I don't know if there's technically like a difference. Like a sofa is like a two-seater versus a three-seater. I think it's, it's just syn- synonyms. So... What do you um, call them in English? you call them sofas or do you call them Yeah, sofa, else? yeah. I guess you could call it a couch. But we, we I think... Uh, it's I, like I, us calling pants trousers. It'd be like... Yeah, a little strange for for say, hey, put on your trousers. <laughs> like, what, what are you? <laughs> well, put pants. You just can't say in the UK because that means underwear, right? Yeah. Okay. So I have. You have pants on, right? I do have with your trousers, trousers, pants, and trousers. Okay. You wear pants and trousers. You see in the UK. So, um, you know, I have never <laughs> seen your knees. You've never seen my knees. You've never worn shorts. I have never seen your knees. It'll be 120 degrees this summer one day, and you'll still be wearing your black jeans. Well, English people don't wear shorts. <laughs> we we. I've seen movies like when uh, like Lawrence of Arabia when they're when they're when they're down there in the in the in the desert. They're all wearing shorts. I guess maybe, but but I think in in the general English people don't wear shorts. Although I'm probably going to get shot for saying that. But yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, all, and, and this is like the aristocratic, uh, you know. Um, Brass, down but you there. mean these like are, the flare, those officers. kind of this flare the, khaki shorts? Yeah, yeah, these are the officers. I mean, you know, it wasn't like the it was the upper <laughs> class, you know. <laughs> if you want to see my knees? I can show this to no, you. No, right I'm now. just. I just want to point that out to the to the to our audience. I have never seen your knees. Okay, there's there's loads of. <laughs> I don't know if I'm missing anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, I mean, yeah, that that's a, a weird conversation. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so I had I, well, I have a bad headache right now, um, and. We just went out to Rite Aid to get some Alka-Seltzer because for some reason Alka-Seltzer is the only thing that actually helps my head headache. And um, they had the automated checkout things. Oh my god, it's just so impossible to get through those things. I scanned the Alka-Seltzer, right? It said, "Well, okay, yeah, ten ninety nine." It says, "Place it in the bagging area." I placed it in the bagging area. It said, "Item is wrong weight." He says, "Please scan again." I'm like, "What? Item is wrong weight?" And then oh, like, you know why? They they probably check. And it's because so people don't um, remove uh, the stickers from a, a less expensive item or something. Probably like alcohol or something, right? Well, you know, people do that, right? They'll, 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 they'll oh. switch the stickers and something costs like $2 and something costs like 20 and they'll check out and people don't That's know. So they probably have a check. They say, well, the weight of this item has to be in this range. Otherwise, it's going to send an alert. Yeah, good, good, good thinking. So anyway, I moved machines. I mean, by, like I, I just couldn't get any further with that machine. So then I switched machines, and this time it was the right way. I never saw anyone have so much difficulty <laughs> checking going through an auto checkout <laughs> kiosk. So you're displeased with the user journey? Is what you're saying? Yeah, the user journey sucks. Like they could they could learn a lot from uh, web standards. Right. So um, we were uh, we were arguing about um, 
Well, one thing we were talking about was using GUIDs instead of auto increment IDs. Well, we were also we were also arguing about, and I think maybe I don't know whether you want to talk about that first, but just the amount to reveal about a project that you're working on. So, so I'm very paranoid about the, the DigiDo project and the, the 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 technological stuff that we're do, we're doing because we're solving a lot of problems. Like every day, we're solving a lot of problems. And I remember in the last show, I said to you. I'm sure that there's a competitor listening to this. Right. right? And you said, no way. We, we've got like, you know, we've only got a thousand, thousand five hundred listeners. Like, how's that possible? So anyway, since then, we've discovered that three competitors <laughs> listen. Well, one guy emailed us. What, right. what are the other two come from? Where are you talking um, about? So uh, th- there's, there's two people at MicroConf that I met. Oh, really? Yeah. Two people like who literally discussed it at MicroConf. So actually, one of them, um, it was their girlfriend was basically in very very important com- like com- competitorial role against us okay so th- and and they obviously share stuff with their girlfriend right sure, sure. <laughs> hey so i heard justin talking about yeah that do. about you know i've uh, no basically it's like she, she's she'll be coming in she'll be saying oh we're having such a we're having this problem we're having this problem we're like oh well i heard justin solve this problem this way then all right. of a sudden that goes into this company that already has like you know 500 million behind it or whatever mm-hmm so 500 million yeah big company <laughs> big company <laughs> it sounds like ibm okay so um but anyway and there's so, another okay but so, so what i'm saying is like what i mean where do you draw the line because you actually spill the beans about uber a lot right so i, I mean you you like literally say how the you know how your quad search function works i mean what about do you think that maybe the halo guys are listening you know um yeah i mean it's all potential it's potential it, but they're all small things. I mean, there's 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 just thousands and thousands of small problems. So if I reveal five or ten of them, yeah, over a period of months, I, I don't know if that's really it makes any substantial difference. And it's also everybody's kind of following their own path, right? So even if you describe, let's let's say we're we're, we're saying like we're talking about how to get drive from L.A. to San Francisco. Yeah, and, and I'm going up the five, and you're going up the 101. And I say, oh, well, what you want to do on the five is you do this. Well, they're already up the 101. It doesn't even apply to them because they're going down a completely different path, or you've made they made different technology choices early on, so things just don't. All right. Um, they don't work in the same way. You know how that happens all the time, where you're you'll say, oh, well, you know what you should do? You should do this, or you should do that. And I'm like, no, no, I can't because I'm doing these other things. You're like, oh, okay. Like it doesn't occur to you that the things that applied to your situation were very dependent on your subtle technology choices. Right. Yeah. That's what I think. Plus, I, I just don't think it. I just don't think it really matters that much. But at the same time, stuff that we've spoken about on the show, like does has ended up in the ether and has ended up out there. There's, there's been a few times when you said, "Huh, we that's what we've been talking about on the show. They're doing that exact thing right there." Yeah, but it, it's and it's hard to figure out. Like, well, did people come to these conclusions? Uh, because of uh, just uh, just coincidence? Because it's yeah. sort of. You know, every you know, a lot of people who are thinking about similar things will arrive at that conclusion within a, the same six or twelve month period. Right, right. You know, or is it like, oh, I listened to texting, or I listened to tech, someone else listened to texting, and they wrote a tweet or blog post that about something. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to sort of figure out where that came from. You can't really. All right. Well, you're just about to go into the GUID, the GUID stuff, which is related to something um, that we've been doing with um, Digidoo. So I'll I'll bring I'll bring it in because um, it's an interesting discussion. I'll bring it in from where we started, how the whole GUID thing started. So um, we needed to, to set up MySQL replication. Basically, uh, we we realized that was an important feature that we needed to do. 
And actually, we had no idea about it. And it was like a really key thing that we needed to do to get, because we needed to move servers closer to um, our kids. So we needed to move in. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to build like a mini kind of Akamai thing. So I'm just saying this. Mm -hmm. So we're moving servers closer to our kids, mm -hmm. at least in the same city, in the same region as them, right? So we have a central cloud server and then we have other servers closer to the schools, right? So um, obviously we need to do MySQL data replication to get the data to those servers. Mm -hmm. We have no idea about, well, we had no idea. So it's like, oh my God, we've got to get the server. We've got to get the server uh, closer. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? So remember we had uh, Baron Schwartz on? Yeah, from um, Percona? Yeah, from Percona. So I remember... But now Percona is... Now, okay, I can't, is that the name of the company as well as the database engine? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. so Percona is a MySQL consulting company, Yeah. right? And they also have an engine called by the, of the same name that's like Mar Mariah DB. Is that what it's called? Maria DB? Mariah DB? I thought, I've, oh, I don't know. I thought it was Percona or something. But anyway, well, go no, on. No, no, I said it, it's, it's called Percona, but there's another one that they compete with, right? There's another oh, sort of uh, drop-in okay. replacement for NODB or yeah, whatever. Yeah, right, that yeah. actually has a lot of improvements. It's fat, has more features and is faster. And, and uh, anyway, so that's, if you want to go back and listen to a show purely about that stuff, just, you know, look, search for Baron Schwartz or yeah. Percona on. So anyway, so we needed to sort this stuff out like within the next few hours kind of thing. So I called up you were on premises. You were out. You were uh, in yeah, like trying to make you're... stuff happen, right? So uh, we called up Pacona and um, said, "Look, we we need a consultant." So this like any food style, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I need a consultant. I need to speak to someone now, right? Right. Okay. Well, their regular rate for consulting is um, hundred no uh, hundred an hour, mm -hmm. right? But then they do time and a half. So, but they do a minimum of two hours. So nine hundred dollars time and a half because it was yeah because it's like time. instant uh, yeah within unscheduled 40, with, yeah. within how much time is it like within twenty four hours oh uh, he was like right there right yeah but it's, I mean when does it count as time and a half is it like well I want to do it this afternoon or I want to do it right I think now? it's just like this afternoon within the next few hours okay which is like by the way a really interesting thing that we need to put into any field yeah, I don't, I don't like know if that. you've seen the experts have been growing on the any front page yeah. it's looking very cool let's get to that okay that. right so um, as usual sleeping all over the place anyway. 900 bucks to spend two hours on the phone with a Bacona expert. Actually, Alex Alexander was his name. Oh, my God. It was like downloading pure gold from his brain. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Raw binary truth from his brain. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that was really good. So You're like jacked into the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we finished the call and, and Udi was like, I want to download his brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, you recorded the call, actually. Right. You, you, you recorded the Skype call. Yeah, that's probably not legal. So I don't know yeah, if I is. should. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, one thing about the internet, it's not over normal phone lines, but over the internet. Right, okay. But I mean, you know, if you're paying someone for their advice and you record it for... Yeah. You know, well, I, I had actually asked them, actually. I had mentioned that to them. Anyway, so, yeah, so listen back to it and it was it yeah. was incredible. Like, Which, the by the way, would be a smart thing to do. It's probably something we should tell clients when they hire experts. By the way, you probably should record... If yes, exactly. Schedule, so you don't... It. Yeah. So you don't lose this valuable information. Because right? even if you're taking notes and following, following advice, there's going to be a dozen probably factoids that you would like to yeah yeah on to. like what did he say what did he say yeah, he said yeah. something about yeah. this yeah. yeah so um so anyway um just to give the, to give the top line about that because that's an interesting subject yeah. in its own right there's three there's three major types of uh mysql replication so there's like a master slave concept 
So basically, where you have one master and then you have multiple slaves, and then there is um, master master, mm-hmm. uh, which is like they just kind of connect to each mm-hmm. other, mm-hmm. and then there's like a cluster kind of situation. But the master slave one's interesting as well because you could have like one master that has ten slaves, and then each of those slaves act as a master for another ten slaves. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of branch it out that way, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. But the thing about the master-slave thing, and this is kind of where, we were, where we're getting into the whole GUI thing, is I wanted to make it so that when people connected to the slave database that was closer to them, that it would sort of do a spoof insert mm-hmm. at that time so that they would, the next time that they uh, selected, they would get the, the relevant data. But the issue was about the insert was that the replication, there'd be like duplicate IDs. Right. Because you were using auto increment. Because because when you use auto increment, right, exactly. Because you're using like a primary key column. My suggestion is use GUIDs. Right. Which GUID is IDs. which is a great suggestion to use GUIDs, except for the fact that freaking Laravel, right, doesn't support it and it's gonna take like a lifetime to uh I I don't think so. I think all you have to do I mean, so I emailed um the the primary developer yeah. for Laravel. Because um, I was doing some sort of C- advising CTO stuff for this oh, yeah. company called Pivot. I've been doing that for a while, and um, I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask them if it, because because they're going to use Laravel. Yeah. I convinced them to use Laravel after looking at it myself and talking to you about it. Yeah. Because um, they were initially thinking about using the Yi framework, and I know, after looking at Laravel, I'm like, this is. Udi said. Udi looked at that Yi, and he said that was no. He really didn't like it compared yeah, to yeah. I didn't. I just looking through it. I didn't really like. It. I, I Laravel. I looked at it and it looked 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 really really nice. And the documentation looked fantastic. Everything about that. Every at least according to the documentation, the examples like this is exactly what you want. Mm. Um, anyway, so um, the uh, one of the partners or founders of uh, Pivot asked me. He's like, look, can you know? Can you talk to the? Maybe we can get that guy on as you know, as in case we need any special training or extra consulting work from them yeah from him or whatever so got in contact and 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 uh, he's like yeah i can help you out he's available and so i'm thinking like look if you're if you're like i i would love to use the good situation except laravel doesn't handle it you go to the guy create laravel and say can we pay you a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars or you know pay a bounty can you just hack this and we need this patch in Hmm. i mean you know right i mean if you're the guy who created it i'm sure you could do it without well, exactly, because that's. I was thinking to myself, wow, if I had actually made the decision to just use my own framework on this, no problem. I could have had goods in here, like you know, within within a couple of hours. Yeah, and I'm sure he, you know, you know, maybe it's a couple hours, maybe it's six or eight hours, but for you guys, for for the importance of this issue, and versus the cost, it's a no brainer. I would just, I'll, I'll forward you guys email, just send me an email and say, hey, this is what we think, this is what we need. Is this, would this be hard to do? And if so, would you be willing to do it? So, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. But the, the main issue is, is that if it's insert, like just to talk you through the actual sure. issue, if you're inserting to a slave, what we actually need to do is to do an insert based on a, a composite primary key. So we have a user, we have a school and we have a page, for mm-hmm. example. So let's say they're answering a question about that. That's a precedence. That's a primary key for what? So uh, like, like an assessment, right? Okay. So, so let's say they're, they're entering an answer for an assessment. Yeah. So that record doesn't exist in the database. We don't actually care about the auto increment. But the thing is, is that everything Eloquent and Laravel does has auto increment, right? Mm-hmm. So we go ahead and we insert based off that uh, core unique key of the, you know, the composite key of the user ID, the page ID, mm-hmm. and the um, 
That's it, just the user ID and page ID, right? If that's inserted into the slave, what should happen is that the same thing gets pushed, synchronized into the master. So the master has it, mm-hmm. then the slave has it. And um, when, when the slave replicates it to the master, it, it doesn't complain. It, does, it just kind of just does an update or whatever. So, so the, the, the whole GUID thing is a little bit of a red herring here. It's, just, it's actually just in the, it's in the way, really. Well, I mean, so without getting too much in the details, I don't 100% understand yeah. your schema and what you guys are trying to do. But right. I was just speaking in general terms, if you have some sort of detached <coughs> slave or there's some significant period of time where the slave is not going to be fully um, consistent with the master, that, you know, whether it's 10 minutes or 10 hours, you know, you could have this, if you're just generating GUIDs um, and they're all unique and you say, oh, we, there's all these assessments or answers to questions or, you know, even if they're just um, comment entries to like the chat system, you know, it's all going back and forth. We ultimately want this to go to our main system. If you're inserting all this stuff into GUIDs, then that could be happening at locations of different slaves all over the place. They're, ne- they're never going to conflict. And as long as, you know, those whatever sort of core information they're running off of, like, you know, um, educational information, um, topics and, you know, questions or whatever, then that stuff's going to be fine. And uh, you just push all that stuff up. When that stuff pushes all, that, all those inserts up, you're, you're fine. You can run in detached mode for however long you need to. Well, let's, say, I, let's say there was a severed connection between the master and the slave mm-hmm. for 10 minutes because of some weird thing that happened on the internet. So then you insert... Um, a record into the slave, mm-hmm. but you have like some synchronization thing that's going to push to the master when the connection comes mm-hmm. up again. Mm-hmm. So the that will push it into the master. But now what's going to happen is the master will have a, a, a separate GUID. It'll have a new record. No, no. And we, when, we it, can, when it pushes it back down, it's going to be there's going to be now two records. Well, I mean, I, I think um, part of that, you know, I don't know a lot about about specifically how MySQL works. Yeah. But speaking in terms of just, you know, just logically, you have two different data sets. I mean, all you have to do is like when you do an insert like that, you say if it has a GUID, use the GUID it exists. If not, generate a new one on the, on the, at the master side, right? Right. You already have a GUID. You don't, you don't need a new one. It's one existing. But there, were, there, there would be. Yeah, okay. See what I mean? I mean, I, yeah. don't, I don't know how much you're writing on because right. obviously I didn't listen to our conversation with the Percona expert, yeah. and, he, and I don't know if like, it does everything. I mean, if it does everything, then you can't maybe reach in and say, "Well, yeah. do that." But there might be a very obvious SQL way to do that. Does doesn't sound like um, something is very strange because GUI, using GUID versus auto uh, auto incremented IDs is extremely common. I mean, you go on Stack Overflow and you'll hear these yeah. heated debates about which has advantages in what situations. So if that's the case, you know, and there's an equally there's huge. A huge number of situations where people are using sa- uh, slave master replication stuff. So there's got to the people. There's, there's What's the name be- of the guy who does um, coding horror? Uh, Jeff Atwood. Yeah, he he's been talking about GUIDs for a long time, mm-hmm. just saying that they are just much better than the other thing. Yeah, I mean, but anyway, I've tended to use auto increment in for most of my MySQL stuff because so, the stuff that I've done with MySQL is just very basic. I haven't needed anything that sophisticated. I mean, the real pain of like using a GUID is like Im- imagine you have a user table. Mm-hmm. And everything's good. Like these, what is it, thirty-two characters in length or something? Well, I mean, it may you can do be longer, you want. You right? Make but some kind of a string, or maybe yeah. sixty. I don't know. But anyway, like you know how normally you say, you know, select where user ID equals one. Mm-hmm. You're just doing it for tracing or debugging or whatever. Like that basically becomes very difficult. Becomes very painful. Uh yeah. I mean, um, you know, as long as you're like 
ordering, you know, I mean, I guess it depends. You know, I usually have like a create timestamp. Yeah. Um, for so I can order for bike. So you, sometimes you just select order by ID or whatever. You select order yeah. by created timestamp. Yeah. It has the same effect. Right. You know, I mean, using a MySQL timestamp. Anyway, well, so well, I want to ask you. I mean, so I tell me about the the. Uh, is there anything more about the experience of, of working directly with a Procon expert? Um. Just that it was just golden. It was like really, really good. I mean, you really, it was great working with someone who totally understood the issue in the space. And um, we got the answers we needed like there and then. And, you know, by, by, by the next day, we'd um, completely developed the situation that we needed to, you know. So if, assuming you had not been able to talk to that guy, what would have been the outcome likely? How long would it have taken you to sort this stuff together? I would say it would have taken so much. Because because there's these three different types, and then there's other different options. So, for example, you can synchronize with statement, or you can synchronize with mixed. And there's another one that I can't remember right now, but like the MySQL replication options. So he explained in detail what each of those meant. Of course, we wouldn't have a clue. And um, just, I, I guess it would have taken a week, you know, of just like, and truly, we wouldn't have actually known. And you might not have had, and, and the situation might be a little hacky anyway. It might not have been a very well, well you, what you'd do is you'd, you'd find out in like a month's time that, you know, Things are breaking down because you didn't understand the way that this thing was working. Or you used you you used solution B. You should have used solution A. Yeah. But it's kind of too late for now. You're just going to go with solution B for a while. It works okay, but you're going to make this change later, and right. it's just this big kind of technical debt that's just sitting there. Well, right, because there there's this there's kind of like a row level replication or a statement level replica, mm-hmm. like where where it will do sequ- you know um, sequences and things like that. Uh, no, not sequences. What's the, the the word where you wrap a bunch of queries into one? I don't know. I've forgotten that name. Oh God, what an that's like the most basic thing. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that so there's two different approaches, like row level or statement level. And obviously, statement level is much better. Well, insert, but row level is much smaller packets, so it pushes stuff out in like little, very short increments. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of chance for for data um, integrity to screw up. Right. Versus the statement one Mm -hmm. where it will kind of wrap things up as they need to be wrapped up. Right. right. So anyway, so I wouldn't have had a clue about any of that stuff, you know, and just just the general settings. And, you know, for example, uh, just some good advice, which is things like how many slaves a master can have, you know, to to be to work well. Right. It's all those things that. A lot of these little heuristics that you only get from using it quite a bit yeah, yeah whereas it's sometimes hard to find that it's like well, well you like if you go on you just search on google and maybe end up on stack overflow or some random mysql forum and it's like oh well it, it supports up to 64 slaves or 120 right right and you're like okay well do i need 64 or do i need six i mean what well even you know, like, even what? the question i mean it's good because like i say well how many slaves can you have per master and, and then he's he's like well actually that's kind of loaded question because it depends on a, you know a b and c right and you know it, depending on this, but he would say, well, generally, if it, if everything was just median, then I would say you could you could maybe go up to fifty slaves per master. Mm-hmm. But if you had, you know, this kind of size database with these kind of size rows, then it changes it completely. And you know, so he basically explains it completely. You know. Yeah. 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 So. Well, that's cool. I mean, that just shows you. I mean, it's like the nine hundred dollars. You're like, wow, we spent nine hundred dollars for two hours. I'm like, that was a bargain. It was. Time that yeah. was an absolute pennies on the dollar bargain. Yeah. I mean, and it's just so hard for people to get their mind around, and mind around stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's typical of the whole thing that humans do. We, 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 
we falsely equate value with time in certain ways that screw things up for us. And it's like, you always have to be careful being penny wise and pound foolish. You know, it's like, oh, I saved, you know, I saved, we saved $900. Like, well, dude, it took you like two weeks to figure that out. And uh, how much do we pay you (laughs) in a month? You know, it's just ridiculous. So, but it was really cool. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you guys are able to solve it. And it's interesting that you guys, I mean, you know, obviously you can't talk about all these problems you, you're, you're, you're confronting and, and solving, but uh, it's great that you have so much technical meat on the bone Yeah, to, 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 to dig into. I mean, it's uh, to bite into, I can't complete the analogy. I mean, it's <laughs> like, right. I mean, you're completely occupied with the technical side of this thing. Right. I mean, totally. this is taking all of Justin Vincent to make this thing work, right? It's not like, well, but you know how it is. Sometimes you'd work on a project and you just kind of, eh, you know, it just doesn't really take full attention because it's not that hard. You just kind of phone it in. It works. It's just not that interesting. It's not that challenging. But this is clearly very challenging. Yeah. From a architectural, like an infrastructure architecture point of view, um, from a low-level systems point of view, from a coding point of view, from a UI point of view, from a product point of view. I mean... You know, all these different well also from finding other people point of view even just yeah. even just finding other people to help me do it you know mm-hmm. so i mean a lot uh, quite a few people did um e- mail in but I- i'm guessing i well I'm, I'm discovering that we we're needing like pretty high level um expertise do we we're, we're needing people who are kind of like me or you really to work on this project what do you mean by that just like full stack with like a massive amount of um experience in everything. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you're not talking about someone who's a who's a high a specialist. Yeah. But somebody who's done a lot in a lot of different stuff. So. But, but basically generalist specialists. So someone who's someone who is um you know, may have had a lot of experience at Node, who has had a lot of experience at, at uh, developing bash scripts, who has mm-hmm. had a lot of experience at um, it's, it's weird MySQL. Yeah, basically, <laughs> widely deep. They're going to be expensive, you know. Yeah. People are going to be hard to find and uh, expensive. But, you know, one thing I, I, I want to say about that, one thing I think, you, one of your real strengths I've, I've noticed is that your willingness to experiment. I remember you, you, you've talked, you've mentioned this to me about how the way you solve problems, sometimes you just try, you just, it's like, you like do the buckshot approach. You'll just try random, lots of random things until you get something to work. I'm like, well, how'd you get to work? He's like, I, you're like, I tried everything. I, tr- I just started changing stuff around and eventually I figured Actually, out what worked. You know, one, one guy on a, on a contract I was working on, I, he said, how does, how did you get that? And I said this way. And, and it was something like, <laughs> it was something like, Put two commas and an exclamation mark on a on a line of code or something. Right. He was like, "Why would you even think of that? Like, how is that possible to even think about?" <laughs> You're like, "I am a I'm a random solution generator. I would just it's like a genetic algorithm that just uses random mutations and then tries them out. You know, like you'll you'll do that. You'll do you'll just mutate the genome, the solution genome, to find something that works. Nice. And it's what's I mean, and like." you know, not only do it from a technology standpoint, but like this hiring thing, right? Like, so the, the way this is one definition of an expert, which I like, which is that you're an expert in a field when you've tried every other possible way to get something to work. <laughs> so, you know, therefore you're an expert. Like, I know this is the re- reason because I've tried everything else. Yeah. You know, like I, and, I, you know, instead of just saying, well, my philosophy for finding people is I do X. You don't really have a 
built-in bias or philosophy. You're like, I'll hire people full-time. I'll hire people contract. I'll hire people locally. I'll hire people remotely. I'll hire special. You're like, I'm just trying everything. <laughs> right? I'm just trying stuff. So by the time this thing is done, you'll say, you'll be able to say, that, say look, I know you think you want to hire people like this, but this is not going to work. I'm telling you, I've tried that, that many times. Like, this is what you want. Hmm. Um, you know, for instance, um, uh, I'm advising this... Um, I told you I was doing advising on their on their hiring. So I've I created a coding challenge for them, and uh, you know they and it it's kind of one of these any food situations. I mean, I just do like it's I don't deliver anything, right? I don't write code or anything. I just you're the any, any food consultant. That's right. You know, and and are we allowed to hear how much you charge an hour? I charge two hundred an hour. That's not bad. That's that's our that's our minimum rate in any food. Yeah, and if I was doing it like if it was like a one off. You know, maybe I'd charge two fifty or something, but right. since it's like, you it's like know, ongoing work, but yeah, using using the highest parts of your brain. Sometimes it's two or three hours a day. Sometimes it's no nothing a day. You know, yeah. I mean, it's at the end of the month. I mean, we'll see. Maybe it'll be four to six. Four. No, to no, it's four. just it's just when you move the mic and it. Yeah, hits yeah, your, yeah. So maybe it'll be four or five or six grand a month. Maybe at the end. I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's yeah. been less than that because it's just been kind of ramping up. So basically, that's a good a good spend on their part because essentially, for I mean, normally a CTO is going to cost you a hundred plus, right? <laughs> I mean, a, like, a, a, a what? A hundred plus for like pre? I mean, no, a CTO <laughs> at like a funded startup. A CTO at a funded startup. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm only going to take a big chunk of equity, but yeah. you're going to charge at least 180 grand, right? Okay. 170 grand. You know, well, yeah, well I, I guess mean, it depends on the I mean, it depends a lot of our depending on where you're at, where in right? the country and where you are, like. But I mean, yeah. But let, but let, let's just let's just say what. Well, I was going to finish what I'm saying. We're going. Where we going? You want to? I'm okay. just saying that like it's incredibly good value for them to get you as a CTO for 200 bucks an hour. Yeah. So I sent an invoice to them last month for 2800. Right. And so. I, I, I mean, I was like, I was telling Sandy, I cannot believe how much value I've created for them. I've created, I've. Because I'm like, the advice that I'm giving them, the things that I'm telling them to do or not do is stuff that, like, that would just save you three months. <laughs> that just saved you $50,000. It's not like, oh, I can write code, I can write really good code, I wrote some really slick JavaScript, and it would have taken another guy, like, 12 hours, but I knocked it out an hour and a half. It's like, you know, so you, you, you want to you develop code in a certain way, you want to do this, like, no, this is not how you do it. I mean, you could have an any food just for CTOs. Yeah, like uh, CT. Yeah, well, I mean, that would be a good business. We've talked a little bit about that, like being just in. That's all you do is serve as sort of a um, a retained or on call CTO or something. Yeah, but it wouldn't work with like, let's say someone was a CTO or like a really high level person in IBM or something. It wouldn't work with that kind of person. Like, it kind of needs to be people who've gone through the scrappy startup thing many, many, many times. Yeah, yeah. So what was interesting? I mean, the, I. I I can't talk about their business or what they're doing or anything like that. But one thing I think I can tell and talk about in general, because it's just a generic thing, but it's obvious to anybody who's at least had some, some experience in the business is that they're creating a mobile and a web app. Right. Right. Like most, <laughs> yeah, 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 endeavors. Right? If you're not, if you're not in doing mobile, then you're just not with the times. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a really good reason, right? I mean, there are situations where you're only, but that's just, this rare. So, and I, I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to, and they were talking about having different groups of people that were going to have a consulting firm do one piece and other people do other piece, and I'm like, okay, well, you have to build an API first. 
Oh, like, yeah. oh, well, what's an API? And I'm like, <laughs> like, and so I'm like, this is why an API is. This is why you absolutely have to have it. I said, it's he said, otherwise you're going to have the mobile guys are going to be creating a, this whole sort of ad hoc API so and get data out. And then you're going to have the web people, cre- you know, creating their ORM that's, that's in, in the creating, hitting the database. And then data is going to be coming inconsistently from to the, the, the app that's sent to, a similar screen in the mobile app is the web app. It's going to be different data potentially. It's going to be sorted differently, be filtered differently. Things will be different. You're like, what's going on here? It's like, no, you want one well-defined API. And like just right there, <laughs> I mean, that was, you know, huge, hugely important. And I spent a, a lot of hours. It, that just seems so basic to me. I'm like, I'm like, how can anyone even, you know, but I guess I'm just, I'm too deep in the well, forest, right? If you're, if you're not, if you're not a technologist, yeah, you, you're not someone who writes code for a written a ton of code and, and managed built projects from scratch. And you're uh, just, you know, they're, they're, they're business guys and they're smart. They're very smart guys. I mean, the guys are like Matt, one guy you know, has a master's degree in physics and, you know, they're, they're, they're no means dumb, right? And they're no, no means naive. They just, you know, they don't know the details. It's like me going and talking to my mechanic or doctor about something. What, I mean, you know, it's not what I do. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, the doctor is like, well, of course you should do X, Y, and Z. I'm like, well, I, you know, How am I supposed to know I don't that? spend my time reading medical journals, so right. <laughs> like, why would I know that? And um, and so, but anyway, the 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 time that I spent, you know, for explaining APIs to say read this paper or read this article, and this is why APIs work, and this is why we need them, and stuff like that, and convincing them like that was huge. Mm. Convincing, you know, it's like or you know, explaining why, you know, I don't, I, I go, I don't want to go on and on, but one of the thing about the API though is I was like, we need to define the API. In, in extreme detail. Um, so you know, we, I worked with the, one of the guys who's, um, he's kind of a, he's kind of like their analyst, I guess. Yeah. And so what we've done, because um, it's a massive API, it's going to have like 250. But I, wanted to, I want to give a caveat about that because myself and Udi defined the API mm-hmm. for Digidoo. And we built it out and actually found out that it was 50% wrong at least. But the API that you're defining, because it was emergent, the whole project was emergent, mm-hmm. but the project that you're working on, they've, they've done the entire thing, like the whole CSS and HTML thing up Yeah, front. well, so they, they have... So you they, know exactly what the UI is, everything from... All the user journeys, yeah. all the screens, they have a full click-through thing. Everything has been fully... So, so I wouldn't normally agree with you about this, like, defining the API to the, like, the tiniest detail. But in your, in your case, it's a very unusual waterfall style okay well it used to be the the norm right waterfall was the norm right that was where you do everything up front yeah but, yeah yeah so the way they've done it is they just said oh well we're you know well first of all it's business guys so they're yeah. they're not gonna the first thing their first thing their thought isn't to sit down and define a schema for the database right right you know and they're like okay well let's define mock-ups and let's this have screens designed and let's create a click-through you know an entire like fake click-through of the site and then put that in front of co- potential customers they went through you know dozens or hundreds of potential, you know, customers and people and getting feedback on the screens and going through and iterate it. I mean, it's not a bad approach. I mean, if, if you don't have tech people and, you know, you, you can get in front of customers in that way, that is a pretty good I mean, approach. That was really good. Talk about, I mean, yeah. it's very lean. Yeah. That was a very is. lean way to do it. I yeah. mean, it was, and it's very, you know, customer-centric and product-centric, which is great. So, okay, so assuming that that is a very good approximation of your first version, then the next thing is like, okay, well, you know, the next, before we go and start building a mobile app and so before we start building out the actual web app, you want an API that 
what we'll send back dummy data so that first stub out all the ABI with dummy data and, and then, then, then the mobile people and the web app people can be working simultaneously with the dummy, on the dummy data. And then you go through and say, okay, well, now let's define the schema and start so what, and by, one by one filling out each endpoint. What has it got? Like 10 endpoints? I would say 200, 250 at least. Wow massive and yeah because I, I, first i was like i was telling them, this is a big api it's probably 50 endpoints you really need to do x y and z and they're like and and, and then when one of the guys the the <laughs> analyst like well we'll get sod on it he's going to start you know going through you know everything and i said well you need to list what are the resource types and you know da 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 and this is what you need to find and i'm looking at it, i'm just like holy crap that is massive and so um you know it's and, and then when i i went i worked with sod i said all right what we need to do is we need to find First thing we need to do is we need to create comprehensive, very specific, very detailed documentation for each endpoint, for each resource type. I said, look at the Stripe API, look at Twilio API. Here are two examples of well-defined APIs. This is what we need. And so we went and we created a wiki on, um, uh, in, uh, on GitHub. GitHub wiki for the API and using Markdown. And it's, it looks amazing. So I went with, I spent a number of hours going with him. He was like, you know, you need a table of attributes and a table of relationships and you need like, you know, you know what's the type and what's the range of values. And are you putting uh, like sample, sample JSON response sample in Sample JSON response. Sample so you could basically girl. make the whole mock API and then both people could plug it in. Yeah. So I said, if we get once, I said, once you and I go through this and this thing is really well-defined, then you can hand this to a serious developer and they can crank out the API super fast. But if you have an API that's not well-defined, there's lots of inconsistencies and lots of holes. The, the, you're you're going to slow the developers down to crawl because they're going to spend their time thinking like, well, wait a minute, what's the type of this? And I thought this column was this. And wait a minute, we have these other five endpoints and these other two resources. I mean, everything's just confusing. I said nothing will slow down develop more than that. Yeah. So like every hour that you spend on perfecting this API definition is going to save at least ten on the development side, twenty maybe. So like, what's the time frame to develop this whole thing? I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I I I will have a better. Um, thought on that once they had, or what estimate on that once the API is fully documented. So we went through all of the one resource and all of the endpoints based on that resource. And of course we had to find related resource that it was related to. And we went through and ha- and, and, and sort of serve as a template so we could get sort of get our arms around the problem. Like this, when I say I want the uh, API documentation, this is what I want. Yeah. I mean, there's no room, f- there's nothing left for confusion on the side of the developer. And and now I'll go back and work on all these other relationships and then we'll build out the documentation. But anyway, that that kind of advice and this kind of stuff is incredibly valuable. Much more valuable than if I was, say, like billing by the hour just to build great code. Yeah, yeah, I totally you know? agree. And, uh, um, and, and like, like I said, like I charged them all of $2,800 last month. <laughs> <laughs> you That's know? very cool. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. Like that, so I've learned that too. It's like just... Don't waste time. Don't burn cycles being confused and being frustrated or flailing around in the dark. You know, there are people out there um, that you can use. And if you're people you know or you go to AnyFoo and hire somebody. Yeah, by the way, check out AnyFoo because we have a lot. Of, we're beginning to get cover the bases now. Like we have Redis, we have Node. All that stuff is up there. Yeah, so I, I see, um, I probably see a ex, AnyFoo expert profile alert. Like either someone's signed up to be an expert or they're submitted a profile Probably at least one a day, maybe one every other, you know, maybe probably. I'm so happy we got Magento. Remember I was telling you Magento? Like I t- Magento? Magento is basically um, PHP uh, commerce platform. Oh. Right. Mm. So, the, and those are the kind of things that we need. Like I, I, we, we need also like a WordPress 
Actually, we do have a we do have a WordPress expert now that I'm looking, but just things like that, like Alan McGregor, author of PH, uh, Magento PHP Developer's Guide. There you go. I mean, that is hardcore, right? I mean, so many people use Magento for their for the, and and like. Yeah. yeah, she's doing a great job. Most of these people are authors. Yeah, she really is. We made an exception job. for one guy because he he he's a, he's sort of an expert in combining um, backbone, backbone, yeah, rails and what. Mary well, the, the reason why the reason why we made an exception for that guy is because. Sarah had contacted the guy, the, the author, the creator of it, of uh, Redis, mm-hmm. uh, no Backbone, and he said, "Look, I, I don't, I don't do that, but I'm work. You know, I, here's some guys on the team who help me, mm-hmm. and you should totally make them experts." Oh, really? So, yeah, that's how oh, that's that how was it works. Nice. Yeah. Jeremy Ashkenas, yeah. So, okay. so that was so that was how it worked. So that's how we got Brian Man. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's coming along. I mean, we're starting to get, we're start getting closer to that critical mass where it doesn't look like we just signed up a bunch of our buddies, right? You know, <laughs> where it's like you could actually pitch a tech writer and say, "Hey, we got a uh, we got a, a a significant stable of just look Scott Con- Scott Gonzalez, who's a team member of the jQuery UI team yeah. and author of jQuery Cookbook. We got Lucas Rubelki, who's author of Angular JS in Action." Yeah. Angular JS. There you go. That's pretty this is, cool. These guys are uh, Josiah Carlson, author of Redis in Action. Yeah. I mean, this is like You know, I oh, I need Actually, to, we we need to consult I need to consult with the Redis guy because we yeah. I need to point uh, Uber to Redis, to to that guy cuz we do a lot of Redis work and I know yeah. sometimes there's some hairy Redis things that um Mar Amos was telling me he's like, "Yeah, if you get a Redis guy on there, let me know cuz we have some questions." There's a guy that we've got called Dave Assel who's basically um, author of OpenGL Game Programming. And he just looks like he's a hardcore dude. Just by looking at him? <laughs> yeah. oh, and also, uh, this, this other guy, Chris Johnson, um, pro, bash, pro Bash Scripting. I mean, doesn't he look like he does Bash yes, Scripting? Yes, like that's what your Bash expert would look like. <laughs> <laughs> he's like you're, you're the gray beard, right? Yeah. Like all the gray beards? Yeah. Wow, it's good there. So we all, one more person and we'll have... Four rows. Four rows. Row. So it'll be 24 yeah. Yeah. So I, t- I told Sarah, like, just get five r- five rows on the homepage, and then we are going to seriously start PRing this. Yeah. I think that's a good, yeah. good thing. Sweet. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And you've, you've been being more upbeat about AnyFoo recently. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, because I felt like, um, as I mentioned before, it's like once we get a sort of a critical mass experts, then I'll get motivated again. I said, well, there's just no experts on there. It's just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't motivate me to spend work coding because I know the coding just isn't going to move the ball. You know, we mm-hmm. got to, the experts are the key at this stage. You know, once we get, I don't know what the critical mass, I don't know if it's 40 or 80 or 150 or whatever. There's some point where it's, it'll just take off. Now, We've, we found that, and we talked a little bit on the show, so I won't go too into it, but one, experts, new experts who, get, who we contact, they go to the site and they look at who else we got, and they're like, oh, wow, you know, which is, which is an effect I told you about was going to happen earlier. I remember I was saying you, you, you can't have false positives. You have to have people on there who are A-flight because that's going to make other A-flight people want to be on there. If you have B-flight or B-plus flight yeah. who are like, oh, this person is really bright, but they haven't done anything really public, you know, somebody else is going to be like, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not impressed. I have no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's a 200 IQ, I mean, if you've written a book or built something significant, that doesn't, you have nothing to show. Right, right. And so that's having, that's having like a fact because like Don Felker was contacted by two of the experts. Mm-hmm. Like, Don, what's this any food thing, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so that, that's one critical mass. The other thing is that, you know, there's a, there's, we have a base amount to contact writers amount, so it looks serious. And the third is um, that they will serve as marketing channels on their own right. So if we tell everybody, hey, look, you know, 
do us a favor and do send a tweet out today. Say, hey, check out my Andy Food profile. And those people will come in. And even if you're following a guy who's a, a jQuery UI and you're like, what's this thing? You know, you you know the guy. You don't necessarily need it. But then you go, on, you go on there and you go, holy crap, there's a guy who's a Redis expert. We need that. I was just talking to a guy yesterday. Yeah. Cool. Right? Well, exactly. And, and it, it's, it goes hand in hand with the thing that we were just saying about 2800 They just spent 2800 to get a CTO mm-hmm. in, for in a month. Same thing. Like with any food. Once we fill this out and we have the, all the experts. Anyway, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be good. Yeah, that's no, nice. So, um, uh, you know, one thing I was thinking about, I've been, I've been playing with the idea of starting to use Twitter finally. Oh, really? Just not, I'm going back and forth. I was, I, I don't know why it was, because I get people joining or following me periodically for, I guess, listeners to the show or mm-hmm. any few experts come on. I saw that you'd met, you'd sent a post. I was like, whoa, Jason, Jason said well, something on Twitter. I, I'm replying to like, like Aaron Francis or, well, a few people uh, tweeted me about, um, um, about Tesla, which we can talk about in a minute. Yeah. And so I, you know, I replied and, and, uh, and stuff like that. It wasn't like I was a proactive, was a reactive post. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, you know, it's like, I was thinking about, it's like on the, on the one hand we have the podcast. So it's like, I can just talk about things in public on the podcast, but the podcast audience is, is necessarily going to be a lot smaller than your Twitter following much much higher quality I mean, the people who listen to our show know us like when we meet people at the show at the at microconf they're like yeah i feel like i know you more than i know but, most of my friends right but the podcast audience is much larger than your twitter following well no but i mean you know you could build up a twitter following bigger than 1500 or 2000 right, without right. a lot of work yeah or like we could based leveraging our presence on the podcast and other things well no i i've got like eleven thousand followers because of plugier you have 11,000 followers because you, you auto-botted your way there. Yeah, basically. <laughs> not that those people really know who Justin Vincent is. They're just no, that's like, true. That's true. They, they're not, they don't really give a crap about me. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. So, but one of the problems, I mean, this is, this is an old news. This is, this is old news to everybody. But yeah. it's that, you know, people come to your, to find out who you are. They're like, what's your Twitter name? They go look and like, you know, kind of just see what your credibility is. Do you have 150 followers? Do you have 5,000 followers? Or, yeah. 50. It's like, if you have 100,000 followers, assuming you're not following 100,000 people, <laughs> which means right. you're some kind of a marketing person, right. then you're then probably you're, you're serious impact. Yeah. You know, you're Jason Calacanis or um, Elon Musk or somebody, right? If you have a million, you're like, uh, you're mainstream famous, you know? But um, anyway, I'm just like, it looks pretty lame when I have like 137 followers. <laughs> it looks like I'm like, oh, like, you know, so I kind of think, yeah, maybe I should do something, but I don't want to get sucked into having to spend a lot of time on it. But what I do do, I've noticed I do, is I jot down ideas and links I want to discuss on the show throughout the week. Yeah. So I could clearly just... Just, just post those. Put, put the, push those up. Yeah. You know, here's my idea about this. Here's my idea about that. That's a good idea. That could be like your link repository. Yeah. So I may yeah. do that. I just want to be careful not to get sucked into it as another, as another you know, like I, have, I already have Hacker News as a time sink. So I have a I have like a, a bunch of links that I'm happy to talk about if uh, you want, or alternatively we can go to your links. Well, I want to talk about. Um, well, first I just finished the Twitter thing. I mean, do you do you use Twitter for anything, really? Well, I I, I do use Twitter to try and sell Plugier. <laughs> okay, so it's purely a but, marketing. Yeah, but no, but I mean, I do. Um, obviously, I use Twitter uh, to. Basically, I'm a hacker news bot, as probably anyone right. anyone who follows me knows. Um, and I, I go in like once a day and just find interesting stuff that people have said to me, and then I'll reply to them. Mm-hmm. That's how I use it. Okay. Yeah. Um, any more on that? 
No, but I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to. I had. I have. I have a little. Um, little note here. Tesla breaches seventy five dollars. Oh well, that's except really cool. that's out of date. <laughs> oh really? It went as high as eighty one. Oh, I'm telling you. Yesterday. So so my my cousin Daniel in the UK is um, a stockbroker. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. So when you first started talking about Tesla, I well not when you first started talking like. When you'd been talking about it for, I guess, a month or, or a couple of months, when I stopped, right? When you shut up about it. Yeah, maybe, maybe about that time. I, I sent him a message to him. I said, Dan, look, I really think you should get into Tesla. Like, it's really good. And I sent him a lot of different articles about it and all this stuff. And, um, but it was just before the, the bad review came out in New York Times, mm. right? So he said, yeah, it looks really interesting. But then the bad review came out and he said, oh, I, I don't know. I'm not sure about this. So anyway, he didn't invest. He didn't do it in any way course he didn't so then it goes so i sent him another email just two days ago i said well it's up to 75 now and he's like oh i should really should have listened i really should have listened <laughs> i said look i think you should go for it i think it'd be great for you you know if, if you're looking for a like a long-term portfolio investment i mean i wish i could because i think it could go up to like 300 or something you know over the years like in five years or something and he's like oh well i'll, I'll have to think about it but I, he probably still wouldn't i mean they're very they're, they're very conservative in the uk you know yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. So obviously I've been talking about nonstop on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I got an email from Ben Reyes. Like, I don't remember. He's he, he's comments. He's one of our listeners comments on the show. I think he's he's donated to the show. Yeah. Um, and he I don't know how long this was, but he was it was early on. He's like, hey, as this is the show. I decided to to buy some Tesla. He's like, <laughs> And he's like, God, I bought some at $34 and now it's down to $31. I'm kind of depressed. I'm thinking maybe I should sell it and wait for a drop a little bit more. And <laughs> he's like, what do you think? Because, you know, that's that's how humans. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's how, how you feel. That's how our brains work. Yeah. And it's only after trading. How much did he buy? I'll tell you. I'll, get, I'll go through the whole story in a second. Because yeah. he said I could talk about this in the show. Okay. So he goes. And so that's what he says. And I said, look, so I sent him this long email. I says, I like Ben, look, you're not a trader. We're not trading here. This is a long term investment. Okay, it doesn't matter if it's 32 or 38 or 28. Just don't look at it. Just put it away. And in a six months or a year from now, you can just check in it. But that's that's all it is. Okay, any more than you go and check in your bank and see how your CD is working, right? I mean, it's just not. And because all it's going to do is cause you stress and it's going to make you second guess. And that's not going to work to your advantage. And so I would just sit with it. Don't worry about it. And he's like, okay. And he, I, don't, I think he said that. He probably just said thanks or it's okay. I'll, I'll do that. And, um, Yesterday, it was yesterday or something. I just thought, I'm like, I wonder what happened. I wonder if Ben sold his shares, you know? Yeah. And so I emailed him. I'm like, Ben, I hope you hold on to those shares. Please tell me you hold on to those <laughs> shares. And um, so he sends me this great email. He goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, this is insane. He goes, I guess he initially put in like 1500 worth, you know? Right. And, you know, I think Ben is a, a, you know, I used to be a younger guy. I don't know if he's 22 or 27 or whatever. So, um, you know, that was probably a significant, I didn't have that much money to invest. You know, all my money was, all the money I made in my 20s, I I needed to like pay for rent in student loans. So I was impressed I even had anything to invest. And then he goes, he he goes, yeah, he goes, he goes, I was hoping that I would double my money at some point. I just didn't know it would be so soon. He's like, I, after you, he's like, after you sent that email to me, I went in, I took a significant chunk of my um, savings, and he's, he's like, I bought four hundred thirty shares. Like he bought like, I don't know, ten or twelve thousand dollars worth, or something like ten uh, of Tesla. Yeah, 
Yeah, he's like, so I, he, he's, he's made over $19,000. He's <laughs> 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 like, wow. He's like, yeah. It's like, I took your advice. I, I totally believe in Tesla. I researched it or whatever. And oh, my God. He's like, I made 19. He's like, I, he's like, I think I, he's like, because he's like, I want to save up money <laughs> for, to do as a startup, right? He's trying to save up money to do his own startup. That goes, is amazing. <laughs> he's like, I was going to write a blog post like Elon Musk just funded my startup. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's so good. I was like, good for you. So is he going to sell that now? Or? Well, that's what he says. Like, should I sell now? I was like, look, this could, this could go to 300. I said, look, I, th- you know, my personal conviction, and I think you share it, is that Tesla is going to be a big deal in seven to 10 years from now. It's going to be, you know, and I think, you know, what I would do is I would... If you need extra money, pick up some extra consulting work. <laughs> if yeah. you want to save up some money, you know, put get, you put that money, leave it there, and just you know, let that go because because you don't want to look back in five years and it goes to two hundred, three hundred dollars, and you, and then you feel like you're going to punch yourself in the face. Like, what was I thinking? Right. Because like I remember in those articles, I ever read the stories about the uh, Microsoft, early Microsoft employees who who cashed in some of their shares after it went public and and bought like snowmobiles and. Stuff like that, and they had like gather, yeah, and then they looked, and they have this three hundred thousand, you know, their three hundred thousand dollar snowmobile or jet ski in the garage that they never use. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, they, they, they oh, it's worth five thousand, but now it's worth. If I can't save those shares, <laughs> yeah, left those shares yeah. in place, I've been worth three hundred. Yeah, and uh, my buddy Mark was telling me about this friend of the fa- friend of the families or whatever, and uh, who said who had been given like ten thousand shares or something of Microsoft as a like a graduation present or something and then just sold it right away and spent all the money oh my and god this was back in like the late 80s or oh wow <laughs> or something you know really mid 80s so it's just like so i i was like look that's fantastic because oh, they, they've they've been split like five times since then right yeah, i mean that would be been worth like a million or something not really, but worth, it would yeah. have been worth millions yeah. probably yeah. and so i was like thinking yeah ben you didn't get into this to trade. We're not trading. Don't time the market. It's a whole different game that the vast majority of people fail at. So he, just, just, just stay on target. So he's got more than you, then. Yeah, I. You know, we've you you we you, made. Uh, I think Sam just told me we made about ten thousand on the investment. So geez, that's amazing. That's but, really good. Yeah, I mean, no, look, I mean, my feeling is that it's. You know, is it still worth buying now? I think so, but I'm gonna. I'm. I'm hoping. That's going to go down. I thought I'd have more time to buy more into it. I mean, we had to spend a lot of money on paying. We had to pay our quarterly taxes and pay in paying. I, we funneled a lot of money into paying off past debt. That was my goal, as I talked about last year, was paying off a lot of debt. So I didn't have a lot of excess cash, investment cash. So I held off, and I thought, well, Tesla, it's it's going to be a slow ramp up, you know, or it's it's not going to. Chances are, it's not going to take off. You know, I'll have time to buy into it. <laughs> and of course it takes off. I'm like, damn it. Like, it's well, exciting to watch it go that high. You're like, I want to buy some more. I'm like, I want to buy, I want to load up what was in the 30s. Well, what about um, Solar City? I mean, that's much lower. That's much cheaper. Maybe, maybe that's the one where we should be going for the, by the large yeah, amount. It's, 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 it's gone up significantly uh, percentage wise since I first started talking about it, but it's still relatively still like 20, expensive. less than 20 bucks. Uh, less than 30, somewhere in the 20s, I think. Okay. It's been going up. So, yeah, I'm going to, okay. Solar City so is the other we one. We need to I buy think. Solar City now. Like, put <laughs> a th- at least a thousand into it right <laughs> the now. The Elon right? Musk ETF. Yeah. I, plus, I'd like to hear from any other listeners who who, who listen to my crazy advice and, yeah. and, and thought and agree. See, well, my thought is look, only. No, only- it, it wasn't advice because that's illegal. <laughs> so it was, just, it was just your speculation. Yeah, my spe- you know, whatever. I'll just say, look, my advi- not advice on, on investing in, in, in Tesla, but anything is like 
only invest what you can afford to lose. Yeah. It's only your risk capital, not, and I don't mean like, oh, just what you have in savings. Like just what part would you, if you lost it, if it, if it became valued of nothing, would it not really impact your life? Yeah. You know, I mean, if you have to move out of your apartment or all of a sudden now you can't pay your student loans or your wife is going to kill you or you can't, no, don't, that's, that's not what you invest. You know, it's only like the, the risk capital, you know? Well, that's very cool. And, uh, yeah, so, um, I said to, uh, I funny thing, my buddy of mine uh, invested, the guy, a guy I play basketball with, Jim Dre. I had, I told him about. It, I'm like, dude, you should. So I gave him the big spiel about Tesla, <laughs> and he went in. He actually, of all my friends, most of my friends like you were like, oh, sounds interesting, Jay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, next, yeah. <laughs> you know, he actually went and put a bunch of money down, and I think he he's made like you know eight or ten thousand. And I like, I sent him an email. I'm like, how you like me now, Dre? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny thing is, it's like. Back in 2007, I was, I was telling him, like, you should, I mean, the oil futures are going to go nuts. I was like, I would buy oil. I would put some money away. So I explained how to set up accountants. So he, he actually listened to me and went and he made like 20 or 30 grand. <laughs> <laughs> went on a big vacation. He got it. Well, no, he, he actually told his uncle about it. his uncle made a ton of money and took him all on vacation. <laughs> so I'm like two for two with Dre, you know. And yeah, I, he's like, city's number when three. Jason says something. I'm like, I, who's your buddy? Who's your pal, yeah. Dre? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, dude, I think Solar City is the other one I think is. Um, well, I want to, can you, like, I've asked you this before. Can you help me do that? Like, buy, yeah. how do I buy it? Like, where? Well, you just set up an account at, uh, like, you know, one of these uh, online brokerages like <laughs> E-Trade or. Well, where do you, where do you buy it? Uh, we have, we had an options express one, but I think Sandy has, I think, see all the one we bought Tesla was in our IRA, which is in uh, our fidelity account. So Sandy has a, Sandy uses fidelity. So could you like get it through like a bank or something? No, you just get it, go to Scott trade or I'll, we'll sit down. I'll just send you a couple of links. You set, go online, you just set up an account and you just transfer some money from your bank. It'll take you all of. It's just that those four, the, they have forms on the page and they're so like, I don't know about you, but like when I see a page with a form. Like, it's almost like a thousand Martians attacking my brain. Like, I cannot even look at it for longer than a second. Well, ask, uh, will Georgie do it? I guess, yeah. Yeah, see, I, I'm that way with paperwork, and Sandy, Sandy's the master paperwork. She just knocks it out. Because I'm like, what's, wait, what's her this, or what's that number? And she knows everything off the top of her head. Yeah. Where I'm just sitting there. It's like, it's like when you're filling out, like, those, um, uh, those forms at the doctor and it's like you have to like your last five addresses like how the hell do i remember where i lived in like 1994 i, I don't remember the address you know yeah anyway so that has been kind of an exciting week i'm i'm ho- personally hoping that it goes down so that i can uh so you can get back in again uh, yeah i want to buy i don't i, I really you know because when things go up that fast it's it's probably a near-term bubble Right, because you eventually run. Uh, eventually, the 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 enthusiasm runs out, and people want to take profits. Right, so it starts dropping. Yeah, and uh, you know, I don't, know, I don't know. Maybe it could continue going up, but I'm hoping that it at least drops into the fifties, so I can feel a little a little less. You, you just don't want to chase the market in general, right? All right. Well, I've got some short little ones, just not not really anything to discuss at length. But. Oh, I have to, one last thing though. Oh, about Tesla. Tesla Consumer Reports. Said that made Tesla Model S is their top scoring car. It's the top scoring car of all time. It's absolutely the best. I know. I saw that video. I saw the video, and um, basically they went through it and just said, "Look, you know, it's the most luxurious. It's the quietest. It's it's got the best interior. It's the fastest. It's the fastest. It handles the best. Yeah, yeah. It's just unbelievable. I mean, that's Consumer Reports. Consumer Reports is this very reserved, sort of objective. Yeah. 
It's weird. So it's for them weird. to say that, they're kind of like, look, you're almost kind of like, look, this surprised us as much as it did you. It's electric. And the thing is unbelievable, right? <laughs> and so... And well, was, actually, that there was great discussion about it on Hacker News. Did you see the discussion about that? I didn't. What were they saying? Um, the, 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 top quest, the top post um, that had voted the most, someone said, I just don't get it. Like, how is it possible that this new company can be there for five years and create this? And... All these other companies with multi-billion dollars of, of budget can't do this. Like, how is it possible? And then there was a, like a deep discussion about, you know, innovators' dilemma and Ben Christensen and, and and all and all the different reasons why. And it was just so good, you know, just basically how how they're stuck in the mud and all the different reasons. Yeah, but sunk basically, cost fa- sunk cost, sunk yeah. cost fallacy. Yeah. Now, but now, I mean, basically, Elon Musk and and Tesla just did it from the ground up. Look, it's an electric car. Let's let's get rid of everything else. Let's just start from there. That's our base fact. It's an electric car, and let's just build it from there up. Yeah, and, and I read an interesting article yesterday talking about like the difference. What happened to Fisk to uh, Fisker? What Fisker? You well, know, it, but isn't he the guy that ripped off? Elon yeah, Musk? he ripped off. Like uh, he came in and and and, and uh, in Tesla, Tesla, they hired this guy to come in and be a designer, and he you know left with a bunch of des- the designs and started his own company. And yeah, it was a you know it sounded like it was pretty. Um, pretty underhanded but anyway so he went and started his own company and i have to say the fisker karma is gorgeous it looks amazing i mean i mean i, I think a lot of us looks great but i mean that karma i mean that thing looked like even nicer than a maserati i mean a maserati which is saying a lot because i think the maserati is about the most beautiful car in the world i mean i saw one we were walking in san francisco and i was just like you know jaw dropping like beauty like this is unbelievable but the karma is nicer the what? The Karma is nice. The Karma is beautiful. The Model S is is fantastic looking, but the Karma is is the best looking car I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Um. And so anyway, but the Karma is going out of business. I mean, Fisker is going out of business. Karma is the model. Um. And uh, there was it was uh, I was an article I read yesterday talking about like the tale of two electric car companies and like what they did differently and said so there was a lot of similarities, but ultimately the things that um from her opinion I thought she made a good argument for it is that Elon Musk is a billionaire or at least when he started he had how many tens or hundreds of millions that he could carry it when it needed to be carried yeah whereas um even though fisker had a lot of money in from kleiner perkins and some other big big investors it, it wasn't quite the same you know, when you just it's like your own personal company you're like sure i'm throwing in 20 million because mm-hmm. we need it because i believe in it yeah um <clears throat> the other thing is karma out was mostly just about design they didn't they outsourced their completely their drivetrain to another company and they outsource their battery systems to another company and those things turn out to be problems whereas um tesla built everything in-house yeah they kept everything else and only they did such a great job that they licensed they're licensing it to uh daimler and mercedes for their electric um vehicles and making a lot of money and that that actually the money they've generated from that had they been able to funnel back into the model s and to everything else and so that's been really positive but it goes goes to the point of like we talk about on the show we've talked about this like you, you, you outsource what you can, but you don't outsource your core technologies, what it is that your company is about and makes and, and is special about it, you know? Mm. And uh, that's what they did. And they, they kept, you know, what is our car? Our car is the battery. Our car is electrical okay, drive. Yeah. You don't outsource. We develop in a competitive advantage and a very specific expertise in this thing. Yeah. I mean, anyway. yeah, so that, that, that actually, even some stuff you should still, even if it's not your core, like for example, Beanstalk, mm-hmm. right? Beanstalk D, which is like a job, uh, a job queue. Okay, Amazon has a job queue system, right? 
but I don't want to, I don't want to get logged it, locked in to Amazon, like, because I want redundancy. I want to be able to be mm-hmm. on the Rackspace cloud and I want to be able to be on Amazon. I want our entire system to be on both clouds so that we can flip a switch and boom, it just goes mm-hmm. from one to the other. So I think there's other, there's other cases where you should maybe not use some outsourced system. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, I think it's, there's there's different cases yeah. for why, but I mean, just <coughs> your first react, your first consideration should be: is this what we do? Is this our core offering? Then we need right. to keep this in house and build it and become an ex and become experts in it. And not it not to harp on this, but th- this is a point where you should use outsource. Like for example, video encoding, right? Yeah, that's an incredibly complicated problem, and we but we need to do it because we serve videos to our ta- tablets. But I really felt that it doesn't make sense for us to get very deeply into video we need Mm -hmm. to uh, find some way of uh, outsourcing that you know Mm -hmm. so video encoding as a service like zencoder do that there's there's a few different there's there's a few different service people that offer that but that's been a massive weight lifted off our shoulders because we were doing that in the first place dealing with dealing with encoding and transcoding and like uh fixing videos and all that kind of stuff so that sounds really painful yeah horrible Horrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, also you guys are very small, right? I mean, you're you're you, you keep talking about like I need help. We're one I and a half people, this. right? So, <laughs> you know, I mean, you you can't do everything, even if you think, well, we want to keep this in house. It's another thing when you're talking about we have ten or twenty people, what you do in house versus right. one and a half people, you know. So, well, I've been ranting and raving about Tesla. So no, no, I mean Tesla rocks, and uh, I, I don't blame people. But I've just got a few quick short things that I think are interesting that I wanted sure. to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know how much we can talk about this, but I want to tell you that um, I read an article saying that scientists think graphene could be used as a paint to harness solar power. This is old, isn't it? Like a couple weeks. What you you'd read you'd heard that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, you I, seem you don't seem very impressed with that. Well, no, it's cool. I, I'm just we're, we're, I, but I, I I'm just I've read this. I read that a couple weeks ago. I, I can't remember too much. Why do you have that in your link list? I'm looking back. I, I see. I keep a, a list of all the links that that I I write down for the show, but then we don't talk about. <laughs> Oh, okay. You know, so like things that I can, you know, reference back and maybe bring them up in a new show. Well, I thought that I, I just, I mean, I, that would be so cool. Imagine if basically you just got this paint and you just painted it on stuff, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on your roof, on your walls, or whatever. Like, because the one thing about the solar power so far, even from the Solar City, it's just kind of ugly putting all that stuff on your roof, right? It'd be so much better if you could just paint the roof itself. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, that sounds great. So graphene paint in a way of they take up they talk about the efficiency level yeah. or anything like that. Mm, not so much. Just, just that, saying it just war, that it's war. a possibility. Okay, so I'll I'll switch on to a different subject. No, no, it's fine. I well re- related topic. Um, there is an article I read the other day called "Conventional Wisdom About Clean Energy Is Still Way Out of Date," and you know I, I meant to look at this and find some of the numbers, but essentially they were saying that like the estimates that we had for 2010 from 2000 back from 2000 about like well there'll be this much you know, penetration in first world countries of photovoltaics versus wind power versus this and that. And all this stuff is just, is just way out. So for instance, um, here's a couple, uh, for example, the international energy is so energy agency's 2000 estimate for wind power in 2010 was 34 gigawatts. while the actual level was 200 gigawatts. Wow. 34 versus 200. So we, we did a lot better than they said. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but that's like the, that's six, six, six. But in an six, opposite direction, times. Kleiner Perkins. Did you did you read the story about yeah. Kleiner Perkins totally going downhill because of they've done so many green investments, yeah. clean energy, but they just haven't paid off. Yeah, I read that article last night that they yeah. they they 
their fu- their green tech funds that they started around uh, two thousand uh, because of Al Gore. Yeah, right after Al Gore, not because of Al Gore. They they hired Al Gore to come on and be sort of yeah. like a face of it, and they could yeah. sell, you know whatever. But they invested all kind of green energy stuff all over the place, but it hasn't done that well as a, an investment. And they basically are not in a great position now, and they didn't they weren't in on the whole Facebook thing. They missed all the social media. Yeah, stuff. all the social media stuff. At least yeah. early rounds of it. They got jumped in the later rounds. So Kleiner Perkins, which made like they showed their funds that like their fund, their ninety four fund made like you know thirty uh, four x returns or something right like their 96 made 17 x returns their 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 98 made like 6x returns and their more recent after the bus and everything else has made like you know 1.4 percent yeah or losing money i mean really, yeah really. that's that sucks i mean and they're supposed to and you know you always think of like kleiner perkins as like oh that's the biggest the gold, name. that's like the yeah. goldman sachs of, yeah of uh the adventure world like uh-huh. the name I don't know. That's it's kind of an interesting concept. It's like why? How is it that the a particular industry could be growing twenty percent a year, thirty percent a year, but you can't make money investing in the companies that are in that space? Just right because you, just, you well, I guess you're just picking like no, you know what it is because you've got a bias and your bias is picking these certain companies and those companies are bucking the trend, so they're going against it, going down. Everyone else is going up, but the, but because of your own biases, you're choosing these ones that are going down. You'd think that, like, you'd, you'd almost, I mean, it's, if they invested in that many of them, because it sounded like they invested in the huge. Yeah, yeah, massive. You'd think that that would almost work as, like, an index. Like, this is like a a clean energy, alternative energy index fund. Yeah. But I, I guess it didn't work out that way. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'd have to, I'd, I'd have to really research it, try and understand that, but clearly that doesn't work that well. But so anyway, I, I want to read a couple of these numbers. It said, the World Bank's 1996 estimate for China was 9 gigawatts of wind and 0.5 gigawatts for solar PV by 2020. Yeah. Right? Um, by t- but by 2011, the country had already achieved 62 gigawatts of wind so <laughs> versus 9, which were the estimates, and 3 gigawatts of PV, which is versus 0.5. Wow. And so they just show these things, and they just go through lots and lots of numbers, so they just it's just going crazy. So that means that we will be, like, if you look at that, that's kind of exponential and... We may well be able to get on clean energy. Is that what you? Yeah, is I, mean, that a trend? I, th- I think I think by like two thousand, um, well, like certain certain countries are going to um, hit one hundred percent by two thousand thirty, like Denmark and and I think they say, they they say Munich specifically out of Germany, sixty hmm. percent um, by two thousand thirty. They say they the U- European Union, Germany, and Brazil reaching for at least sixty percent renewable energy electricity by two thousand thirty. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, 2030, 2040, kind of that time range. I mean, we could be, you know, in the 60, 80% range. Hmm. I mean, I think there'll always be fossil fuels around for certain types of things. It'll just be cheaper and easier and it'll be more limited. But, you know, I think uh, it's it's just, it's it's penetrating faster than, than people would expect. Well, okay, well, just to tell you something else about something that's going faster than people expect. The Google Glass... Mm, right yeah i mean like that that is sort of cyborg existence of basically man yeah. and machine melding yeah that is coming down the road much faster than people think because google glass is out there it's like you know a lot of people uh, there it's over eight thousand people using it right now and just look i mean it's got to the point where there's etiquette articles about how to use google glass and you, you saw that the, like a san francisco bar banned it mm-hmm. right did you see that 
No, no. Uh, so basically, oh, ban, oh, banned. The, the, like you're not allowed the, to use Google the, Google Glass because basically, you with Google Glass, you you can like instantly film something. Like you, mm-hmm. that's it. You can just film it. You can multicast it from right yeah. where you are. But augmented. So you're reality, talking to someone and they're, they start talking shit about what yeah, you're like, and you're like, you can talk <laughs> one of your one of your classmates or one of your, <laughs> your colleagues is like, oh, that I think that person is blah blah blah, and you're like, so they're just grinning while you're just yeah, exactly. I mean, you and 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 of course, people are people are hacking it so that um. The way that Google Glass, you know, the way that the, the core program is, obviously the whole thing's based on, uh, I guess, Linux or whatever. So you have to say, okay, Glass, and then do something, right? But of course, people are hacking it where you just you just blink like that, and yeah. it, it'll it'll pick it up and then it'll start recording. So cameras start recording, start multicasting. You go, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh, like two winks, two blinks, and then like it'll do what you want and it'll send it to the server you want, upload it to YouTube, publish yeah. it to the world. Yeah. So like, <laughs> where 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 people have been really um concerned about especially young people share oversharing you know sharing like sexting you know sharing you know semi nude or nude photos of themselves yeah. and those you know and then those make it onto the web and or onto facebook you know via you know things like snapchat or whatever and like that stuff people decide to do and it's just a bad choice right. it's another thing when you're like in a public situation and someone's just recording you and you really feel like you can't be honest and say something because someone's going to record you and they're just like say well i'm just going to send this i'm an upstream to the web either or it could happen inadvertently someone could be like they didn't really they didn't realize they recorded it and they have like some kind of justin tv kind of thing where their stuff just automatically gets sent to their blog they're yeah like, oh yeah i'm just kind of like and then they turned it off but then they, they did a double blink and they forgot that they accidentally turned it on and now your private conversation about why you hate your boss and you're thinking about looking at a job gets auto-streamed and it's on Twitter, and your boss is like, "Oh, and by the way, you're fired." <laughs> but, but I mean, <laughs> no. did, I don't know if anyone has been. Well, I mean, I guess some people, but Google Glass is going to. I mean, it is. Think about mobile phones, right? Mm-hmm. Companies become big on mobile phones, right? Mm-hmm. When when they sell a mobile phone, they become a multi-billion-dollar company mm-hmm. by selling a platform, mm-hmm. right? A mobile phone platform. Google Glass is the. They're the only ones who are just about to do this and make this right, mm-hmm. and. They're the only ones who own this product. And this is going to sell, I mean, a crap load of units. Like, it's going to sell in the same way as mobile phones sell, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be so many. Like, people, I, I can totally see a future where everyone in San Francisco is walking around with Google, Google Glass. All of a sudden, Google, which is like an unbelievably huge company, is going to become exponentially huge. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's yeah. a massive... It's, I just can't believe that that this has happened. These big it's, bets, the, the 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 really big bets that they're making, um, like on self-driving cars and, and Google Glass. It's just, examples. I mean, they're going to become a, just un. You, no one will be able to have any competition with them. Hegemonic. Well, because, <laughs> because I mean, if you think about it, Android in its own right, you know, uh-huh. Android is absolutely massive. I mean, Android is much bigger than than, than iPhone. Samsung, I believe, sold sold more phones last so year. So they're than they're Apple. kind of slowly becoming. Right, yeah, yeah, Samsung sold more phones last year than Apple, and which. Yes. It's huge. And that's Android, right? Yeah, yeah, Android. But that's just Samsung. Right. It used, it used to be like a couple year a year ago or a year and a half ago, they're like, well, you know, so, Android Android sells more than Apple, but Apple's way bigger than any individual. So um, they they basically company. are the new Microsoft. I mean, they basically are if you think about it, right? When Apple's first came out and Microsoft was out, like what what was the difference? The difference was that you could really tinker with a Microsoft. Like I like I liked Microsoft OS at that time because you could kind of get into it. You could use the command line, and the app. You know, with Apple, you couldn't you couldn't really get into it. Like you had to use Red, Res Edit or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then Apple reversed that trend because you could 
get into it with their, you know, now with the current Apple. Well, of course, they, they bought uh, Next and they used Next Step and they used their whole right. operating But if you think about it, the, the Apple... Are, the, whole, the whole Next based was based on BSD, so that became the underpinnings, I guess. But now iOS versus Android is exactly the same. Basically, mm-hmm. iOS versus Android is exactly the same as when Apple first came out versus Windows. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's why Android's like totally wiping the floor, I think. Yeah, it's, a, it's part of the reason, yeah. Um, hegemony, that's a good way of putting it. Hegemonic. <laughs> Hegemonic. Hegemony. Hegemony. It's like, like the, the, the Google empire. Yeah, so, the, you know, the thing about, I was thinking about this too, the Google Glass stuff. I read a couple articles on it this past week, and I think, um, I think you're right. I think, I think uh, Google Glass is like the Diamond Rio player of this category. You remember when you got the Diamond Rio, it was very fun first. Yeah. It was just kind of dopey and clunky and it wasn't that powerful. I mean, it was cool, but you compare that to what came within five and ten years later, it was nothing. So, like, eventually, people, it's just going to be like a contact lens. You're not going to have to wear anything. It's not going to be something that sits on your face and, like, you know, or it's going to be so small that, like, you can just put some little tiny thing on your sunglasses, your favorite pair of sunglasses. And no but, who, but who's going to execute that? Is that going to be Google who executes it or I is it going to be some other company? I th- well, just like who executed the smartphone. A lot of companies executed it. Yeah, but they're not gonna, it's not going to be a, a single product by Google. It's going to be a category. Um, it's it's going to be a category. They it's going to be a category. Yeah. It's going to be a category. So whether you want to consider Google Glass to be like the, the, the Rio Diamond or whatever the hell that thing was called back in late But all, all the or, software that, that, that makes it work... I don't know. Is that is that open source? Oh yeah, they did open source Google Glass, didn't it? Doesn't they? matter. People can write. The software does the same thing. You can't patent a product category. They can patent. How no, they but I mean, it's like it's like you know Google, uh, like iPhone Maps. I mean, it's crap compared to Google Maps, right? I mean, that, I, that's yeah. what that's what makes Google Google Glass good. It's all of the information that Google has on the back end. Yeah, well, you know, you, I mean, but other companies can tie into different information sources. I mean, yeah. these companies have a huge amount of money. You don't think Samsung? Or uh, well, Apple. Samsung, you don't think Apple could? Compete? Samsung doesn't write its own operating system. Like doesn't Samsung matter. uses Android. I mean, that's so, fine. so it's still Google. That's what I'm saying. So even so, basically, only Apple. So you're, what you're so basically you're implying that Google's the only one's ever going to make a good a good Google Glass. Is that no, what no, you're no? I'm, I'm just I'm just saying that one, <laughs> I'm just saying one way or another, Google's going to have a slice of the action. Oh yeah, well they have a slice of the action. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that I mean maybe it'll be like Google Glass will be like the um, this is like their iPod. Right, like still, Apple is still like a very significant player in the smartphone, you know, category, right? Or what evolved into the smartphone from the iPad. So maybe Google is that for the next ten or twenty years. Yeah, the Google Glass will go through many iterations and stuff. But Apple, you know, Samsung, whatever. I mean, you could have a lot of different companies could come in and say, "Hey, this is a good category. We're going to get in and we're going to come up our own versions," or they're going to completely leapfrog them and say, "We're not going to make glasses. We're going straight to contact lenses." You know, you it's going to be incredible. Incre- contact I mean, lens, and this thing has, you know, using some awesome nanotech can has built-in like miniature Wi-Fi or something. And um, maybe what you do is you have like something that that um, is almost like a little tiny Bluetooth thing. Yeah, you stick in your ear that has like that ha- that has like um, more of the electronics, but then you have like this tiny little um, uh, contact lens as a screen that's in your eye. The other thing about the Google Glass is, you know how um, there was a lot of reporting about how cell phones, you're holding them next to your head and it's potentially dangerous, Yeah. the radiation. Well, Google Glass is GSM, right? And that's that's right next to your head. And people will wear them. I don't know if that's ever been proven that does anything. They, they haven't exactly proven it, but there's a lot of theory about it. 
People, so there's people worrying about it. I mean, you know, people worry about a lot of things. If there's no science that indicates that there's any, I think the science indicates that there's no. Yeah. Anyway, I just think that I just think it's going to be it's going to be pretty huge. It's going to, like two two three years time, and everyone's going to look like a cyborg. It's going to be freaking crazy. I don't think it'll be that fast. I think um, I think it takes time for people to adopt something that's that culturally different. Yeah. You know. You I think? mean, well, yeah. I mean, how long did it take when the when the iPod came out before? Everybody had an i an iPod or an iPhone. I mean, or a smartphone. But they weren't functional to the same level. I mean, this thing is like incredibly functional out the box. I mean, if you want to talk about the level of function that a little a little Rio iPad, uh, iPod player had, or even an Apple iPod. Yeah, compared to what Google Glass is offering straight away. Well, it's it's a trade off. I mean, it's not just what it does, but it's like, is it is what it gives me worth me wearing these weird looking glasses everywhere? And people looking at me like I'm a weirdo. Well, I must say, I mean, like the, the whole driving uh, direction thing looks pretty awesome. You know, you just wear this thing and you see the map, like the, the augmented reality map saying, turn left, turn right. I mean, that is yeah, very I, sweet. I, I just think that it'll have to become, they'll have to become smaller. You think? Yeah, it'll have to become smaller and more, even more elegant, um, less obtrusive, and maybe more flexible. Like people who wear glasses normally, they can work on their on their glasses. Right now you can't. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to have to go through a number of iterations. Plus, just because, you know, some geeks walking around uh, Silicon Valley and in San Francisco feel okay wearing them, it doesn't mean most people walking around aren't going to feel like a weirdo. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like riding around in a Segway. You feel kind of like a, you, you look like kind of an idiot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like a guy in a Segway, you know, you almost like laugh at him. And I think, uh, I think that's, it's, but it'll take some time before it becomes socially accepted. But even then, there will probably, like you mentioned earlier, it will, there'll probably be some severe limitations on it. People are going to be like, dude, like, just like, I don't like to talk to you while you're looking down at your phone's, te- you know, texting or whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to, if your thing is on or whatever, I'm like, I'm not going to have a conversation with you. Like, take it off. Yeah. We'll take, take the glass off if you want to. I'm not going to, I don't want a chance that you're recording this or you're like backgrounding me. It's just, you know, talk about the ultimate backgrounding. It's, I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's splitting people from reality. <laughs> Yeah, which our brains, our brains are not multi-core, <laughs> right? You know, in that way, I mean, there we're we're going to need an upgrade. Core. We're going to need single core. You can't be like surfing the web and replying to email and reading Wikipedia while you're having a conversation and, and be able to hold a reasonable conversation. So, uh, switching subjects, uh, just very quickly, and this is this. Hopefully, this will be a short conversation. But I wanted to go back to you were talking about space junk. Was that last show? Mm-hmm, yeah. Did you see that thing about Russian space junk almost destroys NASA telescope? I just want to show you this. Wait, wait, say what? Say that again? A what? Like basically, this uh, some oh, Russian wow. space junk almost destroyed a NASA t- t- telescope. Mm. This close. How close was it? Uh, this close, like you know, half an inch on that picture I'm showing you right well, there. Well, is that like ten <laughs> kilometers? Or? I don't know. Does it say how close it was? A 1.5 ton Russian reconnaissance satellite Cosmos. Um, you see here. Um, would miss each other by 700 feet. 700 feet that's that's not too uh, far away yeah that's close yeah that's yeah we're, well yeah nasa tracks 17,000 objects larger than four inches across in orbit above the earth every day only seven percent of the objects tracked are currently active satellites yeah well and as you've seen like on um you know planes like if you fly into like a small bird it can bust a hole through the windshield and yeah stuff like that so i mean things even smaller than that could cause significant damage well um so you want to go? You want to go for the longest podcast in the world record right now? Yeah. No, not now. Oh, okay, not today. Enough. We'll have to. Uh, 
we'll have to plan it out like a, uh, at least well i just need a couple weeks advance at notice because then I'll, I'll come up with a ton of topics <laughs> you know <laughs> oh what we'll you- do is, is is um maybe what we'll do is is have people send in questions or things they'd like us to talk about too yeah you know what i totally forgot i meant to open the show by saying if you're a new listener look at textingwiki.com i think it's more important for new listeners to look at that than mm-hmm. existing listeners to go and edit it because it kind of explains the show so anyway uh maybe just a quick uh shout out to listeners please tell other people about the show we would love to start growing texting it would be great to just get a few more if listeners. we c- i was thinking about this yesterday if we could get if we could get to 2500 listeners i'd go back to doing it every, uh, every week yeah i would too so if help us get this and, and two ways you can do that um one is you can uh leave ratings on itunes we yeah. haven't had a, re- a review we haven't had a review since 2012 <laughs> I looked at it. I just happened to look on it yesterday. With it, I mean, it. seriously, if if everyone could give, if literally, if everyone who listens to the show just goes to iTunes and gives us a rating and a review, that will change the fortune of the of the of the show. That would. And the other thing is, send an email to any of your buddies who yeah. you think would like the show. Yeah. Tell them. I mean, that's that's how word of mouth word of mouth stuff works better than anything else. It works yeah. better than a blog post. Works better than anything. Just people you work with whatever just say hey well if, if, you know, if they if only if you think they'd like it right we don't need people no point in telling it's you. a very specific set <laughs> of people who would like the show right. we're talking about this it's like uh, you know our conversation to our wives would be like boring as hell but there's a very specific set of people who would be interested in this yeah, yeah. so um yeah so do, please do send them an email um review us just i think that if every single person who listens to this just goes to itunes and reviews the show that would be massive. Um, and if you do send, if you do send an email to your friends, just send them, send them also to textingwiki.com um, so that they can get an, a general overview of the show as well. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's all you got. That's that's. Oh no, I've got a lot more links. I got some stuff. So did you see that one where it says your heart attack bill three thousand three hundred in Arkansas, ninety two thousand in California? No. So, I guess the. Um, uh, Medicare, I think it was Medicare, did an analysis and said, well, how, you know, how much were these hospitals charging for these various things? So it's a huge data set. And, you know, it, it's just things are, they vary. It's not like you go up and say, okay, well, you know, you know what are you going to charge for this procedure? And they go, well, this procedure is going to cost 3000 And you can, like, go on Consumer Reports, right. you know, and say, well, or CNET. CNET says you should get your uh, knee replacement at this hospital. And so you just get charged after the fact, and usually you just, I mean, you just get killed. Yeah. It's outrageously expensive. And a lot of it gets picked up by insurance, so you may not be fully aware how much it costs, but if you ever have to do out-of-pocket, which happened to me one time, it is unbelievable. So hospitals are not allowed to charge two different prices to two different people, hmm. but what they can do is they can raise the price to this ridiculously high price, and they give disc- group discounts so like to um, insurance companies. So that's why it's so important to have insurance, even if you get like a high deductible one, because if th- what happened to me, and this is like 2001 when I had, I tore my ACL, my anterior crucial ligament in my right knee, I had to, uh, I had to get it uh, reconstructed, right? It's not just like a little procedure. It's a, you know, a full, full uh, operation. Yeah. And, um, so it turns out that a, f- uh, a friend of the family's is a is a big time orthopedic surgeon. He's a, at this hospital in Chicago. So I flew up there and he uh, he did it for free. And he's actually he said, "Look, I'm not going to charge. So you just have to pay for like the you know just be the hospital, you know, the cost of using the room for it's like an hour and a half outpatient surgery or something." 
I end up having to, they end up charging like the anesthesiologist was like 7,000 or something. It was like the hospital charged like 15 and it's, I, I think it total was like $35,000. Bloody hell. 35. I mean, it, it was, it was absolutely outrageous. And, you know, and so we ended up having to talk to go through this, the CFO and this is back. I mean, so I mean, I didn't have any of that, any kind of money like that. So it wiped out, we maxed out our credit cards and used up all our savings. And I think we had to settle with paying them like, you know, 12 or 15 grand or something for an hour and a half outpatient surgery. So that's what I've told, I've, I've told a lot of friends, like if you play sports or I mean anything, I mean, where you could get injured, I mean, you could get injured, you know, riding your bike and get by a car, anything can happen. If you don't have insurance and you just go in and you pay out of pocket, you're going to get absolutely destroyed. You're not going to come away with this like, oh, I got to pay, you know, $2,500 deductible or something. I mean, because they're going to pay, they're going to charge you these, ex- these exaggerated costs. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the most. And so, what what, what was the two differences between the, the the article that you brought up in the first place? Okay, so this, what they're saying is that the the the, the costs differ. And what was the what was the two different prices? Three thousand three hundred in Arkansas and ninety two thousand in California. Ninety two ninety two thousand. Yes. Oh God, I wasn't listening when you said that. Bloody hell! Ninety two thousand. So ninety two thousand versus three thousand. Yeah, three thousand three hundred. Wow. So. What I was thinking, what they what they what we should do is have like arbitrage. Um, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> Basically, some kind of system where you arbitrage and so, like you say, "Hey, look, I'll, I'll do it for you for forty grand," <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and push them to the push them to work. Well, I was thinking somebody should create a mobile app, yeah. where it just shows like like I need you know I need this kind of surgery, and you can say, "Well, the, the hospitals in my area, what's how they how much they differ in cost?" It may turn out that you drive an hour and a half down to Orange County or something and it costs you a third. What do you drive to Arkansas to save? Well, hey, yeah, for that kind 80 of money. Grand. But I mean, even if it's like, well, it's going to cost me 12 here, it's going to cost me, you know, 7 or 5,000 here. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll drive down here or fly. I mean, you know, obviously, yeah, it would be more sense to fly in most cases. I mean, an app or even just a web page that lists all the major procedures and the different the, the cheapest and yeah. cheapest states. Well, I mean, cuz even if like you're in your doctor's office, the doctor's talking, "Well, we got to take you in for this kind of procedure." And you go look and you go, "Well, and especially if you could kind of describe the general things that need to happen. Yeah. Like, oh, I have this procedure, that procedure. And it says, well, here's an estimate ballpark, assuming you don't have complications, other stuff, it's going to cost you 42000 right? And, um, and and then I could say, okay, well, locally, there's places that charge as low as 28 but if you fly to <laughs> Alabama or Florida or Ohio, you could get it for, you know, a quarter of that. That's amazing. So you, so even that uh, procedure you had, you may have been able to get it for like way less than thirty thousand. Oh yeah, I mean maybe. I mean who knows? But the, on top of that, you should still have insurance. So th- so what would also happen too is what you should also do is, uh, what the app would also ideally do is it would have your insurance built in and it say okay I have Blue Cross Blue Shield or Kaiser or whatever and this is roughly the plan I have. It could say well based on your plan and your deductible and the percentage they cover, this is how much it would cost at these differing hospitals and oh these hospitals take your insurance. So how would the app make money? Um, yeah, I mean, you could just charge, I mean, you could just charge to buy it. You could charge, you could charge to buy it or alternatively you could, you could charge commission to the hospital that you get referred to or something. Yeah. Maybe you could do something like that. I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's probably, I mean, there's so much money in that equation Yeah, that it would be probably pretty easy to pick up, pick up a business model based on that. Oh, that's an interesting. You've just given someone a good startup idea right there. Yeah, that would be cool. It'd be great to have that, wouldn't it? I wish it existed. Yeah. So I have another uh, two things I wish existed. Go on then. So 
Um, these are, I haven't sent them listed as a topic. Two sites I want to exist. And one is what you know that just ain't so. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know what the title of the actual domain title is, right. but it's like I was reading an article. Um, it was talking about, um, oh, I don't have the link here even, but uh, let me see here. Um, I'll, have to, I'll put a link to the show, but they were talking about some new sort of internship based learning. Like some people are, you know, dro- not going to college and, and they're and they're sort of just going straight to doing an internship and how they don't come with a lot of is nearly as much debt and they learn a lot more and they get making doing something really want to do and it could be yeah. the future of it. Some, some basically lo- an apprenticeship approach. Yes, apprenticeship course, exactly. And they said, but you know, there are things to be said about college, and one of them they were talking about was how. Um, colleges like teach you um you know learn critical thinking and stuff like that but i remember i read an article i I, I gotta find it but i read an article where they were talking about they 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 did a test for these kids coming out of high school and the same kids come out of college on critical thinking and there was almost no difference like people's in critical thinking did not improve college had no significant measurable impact on the critical thinking so this that's interesting because um, I I had a, like a, a similar kind of link and I'll just uh, interject and then you can go back to yours. But did you see this one about how the Tiger Mom study shows that parenting method doesn't work? Yeah. Basic basically the more the more aggressively you you kind of push your kid and look look at this chart the quadrant there. Yeah yeah so so high de- so so Tiger Tiger parenting which to explain that is people like there's there's this. First, there came this article, I think, this woman who was a tiger mom, and she was very, and she was Asian. So the whole thing is that's called the tiger thing. It's right, really Asian right. tie-in. So in Asian parents, there's a stereotype that they're that they're harder on their kids. They push their kids harder. They make them have tutors and prep more for AP tests, and they have to learn violin, and you know, and they have less freedom, and it's just like they grind them more. Yeah, kind of yeah. like what's the guy we interviewed? <laughs> um, um, we interviewed him on the show. He. Um, He's, I think he's Chinese or something, but remember he's talking about he, he can't even look at a piano anymore. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, versus the easygoing parents who are kind of were like, eh, whatever you want to do, versus the neglectful, yeah. and versus the, what they call the best parents to be supportive. Supportive yeah. being that, well, how do they describe supportive? Can you find the link? Where'd it go? Well, this is what? You know, no, no, no. But what, 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 how do they define a supportive parent? It basically relied on. Give more freedom, and it was mostly positive. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know yeah. right here, but um, I just thought I just thought that that you might find this interesting because yeah, I read I read it already. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, because I've run across a lot of parents who are who are kind of verging on the tiger, tiger parenting. But what's uh, interesting is basically category. they end up like the kids. The the I don't know how many how big the study was, but three hundred. The kids end up more depressed and less lower achieving than kids who are. We have parents who are easygoing and supportive. So there's no, no, not, I don't know how easygoing, but definitely supportive. Supportive. So supportive, you end up with a higher achieving kid, and they're less depressed, happier, and more successful. Yeah. If you don't grind them, you <laughs> force them to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you kind of, you know, you, and that's kind of what I try and do with our kids. It's like you know, you try and make things available to them, you try and encourage them, but you don't spend a lot of time shaming them, and which is apparently a big tactic in and sort of tiger parenting is shaming your kids and like, well, you you should be better than this, and you're not, yeah, you knowing this is not yeah. enough for us. Or for but I mean, family. that's a classic movie plot, like you know, the son and the father and the father. Oh, you ne- you never give me any uh, you know praise. You never show me any respect. That's what the son says, you know. Yeah, I remember reading. I remember hearing an interview on uh, NPR Money, and they were interviewing like these big 
investors and the guys like I only I only invest in, in in hedge fund managers who have a chip on their shoulder about their dad. Like they have to prove their dad wrong or something like that. Yeah. But that's good. It's these built-in biases that we all have yeah. based on our limited sample spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, for that for, for data. Like I was I, ha- I was having a conversation with this woman at the I was getting to Colby to get us or we both went our got our haircut the other day and um turned out this uh, woman is a friend of uh Sandy's. Yeah. And so we were chatting uh, while Colby was getting his haircut and, and she was talking about private school versus public school and her kids are just a little younger. So she's like, well, I don't know. I'll be looking here we're this and that. And she's like, oh, you know, really kind of, you know, almost neurotic about the whole, I wouldn't say neurotic, but just very thinking, thinking very deeply about it and had a lot of, lot of emotion about the whole thing. And I said, well, you know, we send our kids down to McKinley, which is the local public school. And I said, you know, it's worked out great. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to spend $30,000 a year to send out a poly or a Chandler or a hyper. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like, they're still going to learn uh, how to read and, and do math and everything, right? I mean, it's like, I would save that for uh, for college or, you know, or maybe, you know, you want to send them in, their, in, in, in high school if you're worried about the kind of kids, that are, their peer influences. But I mean, you're talking like first, second, third, fourth grade kind of stuff. You know, so that was my opinion. I said, look, I'm just telling you, we've taken two of our kids there, Colby's in third, Izzy's in first, and it's worked out really well. Because mm-hmm. I think ultimately it comes, really comes down to the teachers. And the teachers are fine and whatever. And she's like, so we were talking about that. And she's like, <laughs> she goes this big thing about how her, she's like, well, you know, I went to a Catholic school and I have to say, I'm still very close friends with my friends that I went to Catholic school and we're really close. And that's been really important, the network we have. And, and she's like, and my husband went to public school and he just, you know, he has no connection or really contact with his public school friends. And after she left the, 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 um, the stylist who uh, goes to me, she's like, yeah, I went to public school and I'm still really tight with all my friends. Right. <laughs> so exactly. Like, you it's know, I'm like, yeah, it's, a, it's like it's totally, different people have different experiences. It just totally depends. Yeah. I mean, the, there's some kids that went to her school probably have, Aren't in contact with anybody. There's, you know, it has nothing to do with public or private. I'm not in touch with anyone from my private boarding school. Yeah. I mean, it just totally, it, it, I talk about random. But I mean, that was a bias based on a very, it's called, I can't, I mean, one of the cognitive biases, sample size bias that we all fall victim mm. to. It's like, well, you know, my experience with these three types of people have been this. Therefore, I'm going to generalize that. And that's how this whole category of people are like or whatever. Well, continuing our discussion about kids, did you hear about the science fair project that a 14-year-old did about how iPads can stop pacemakers? You know, I saw the type. Let's talk about it. I didn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, I thought it was just a cool... So, so basically, um, she did some research and, dis- and through her research discovered that iPads, you know, they have the magnets that hold the little cases on. Mm-hmm. Yep. So those, th- so it's iPad 2 onwards. So they have those piez- piezo magnets, like the high magnets. So people will hold them on their stomach, you know, because it's like a very kind of reclining device. Yeah, you talk device. about how you read. Yeah, I read yeah. like that too. Yeah, exactly, right. So someone with a pacemaker can hold that on their stomach and fall asleep. The, pa- the iPad falls over and the magnet stops the pacemaker. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> or interferes with it, yeah. So you got to be careful, yeah. So, but it's that, what a cool science fair project for a fourteen-year-old, right? That is cool, yeah. So, and, but there's been no stories of that happening and dying from death by iPad. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see any. <laughs> I didn't see any. I guess maybe that should be the topic of the show, right? Death by iPad. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about your your paranoia about competitors called you know something like uh, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. <laughs> Yeah, which is, a, which is a famous quote from Catch Twenty Two. Yeah, Joseph Heller, Twitch Twenty Two. Uh, <laughs> it's 
So I, I like death by iPad. Maybe that's the. So basically, most most defibrillators will turn back on once the magnet is no longer affecting the device. Some, however, remain off until the magnet is reapplied or the device is turned back on manually. God. Holy crap. So, um, <clears throat> oh, you know, I wanted to, um, I wanted to uh, just finish one thing I was, uh, about the, um, the sites that I wanted to exist. Yeah, go on. I said what you know that just ain't so. Sort of like debunking common misconceptions that are in the press. Like, so they're making reference to this in this article about apprenticeships about, well, you learn critical thinking in school. So tell me what the site's called again. I don't know. Think, think things you know that you don't know or something. Well, no, well, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, I can't remember that. There's a phrase I have to look it up, but it's like, it's not what you know that don't hurt. It's what you know that just ain't so. It's what you know that just ain't so. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's what happens in a lot of us. We have all of these, um, it's what you think you know. It's what you think you know that isn't. That you just know. True. Like I know this to be true. It's just yeah, wrong. But it's wrong. It's just wrong. We have loads of them. There's so we many. All do. In We're constantly just trying to sort through it. And and you know, part of it is that we get misled because, well, science this scientific study said this, or or just it's just common sense things everybody thinks are true that aren't. Don't build a startup that has a major competitor. Yeah. You know, just for example. Mil- yeah, yeah. So millions of them. So yeah. And um it's like a full-time job just to keep from like falling victim to yeah. all of this, these, this misinformation. And um, it'd be great if you just had a list of things where, you know, like here's a list. 85% of people think this is true, or this is a common thing referenced in the press. This is not true. Right. Tiger parenting does not work. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, news plan, like you're like, news plan, that does not work or whatever. Or, um, you know, or, or, I don't know. You could come up with all kinds of things. I mean, um, you know, like I, you know, hear me talk about this foreign policy. It's like the, it is, it's been pushed so much in the press that Iran has, is developing a nuclear bomb. Yeah. They're not. It's not true. It's false. But you have to have references to it. And there, you know, there's plenty of, you know, references. It's, it's the, the, uh, the, uh, um, and, and inspectors and everybody. It's like, it's not, it's not true. Okay. And so, but people think it's true. The problem is that people thinking it's true is it makes it much more likely that would be we'd go along with either Israel bombing them or us bombing them at some point, right? So, which and then lead ending to up in war, uh, war tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of people being killed, right? Trillions of dollars being spent, like Iraq, right? Because we're we're misled, or we're we're not only are misled, but we're we and we we are not. There's nothing to help us from being misinformed. Well, like weapons of mass destruction, yeah, in Iraq, right? Mm-hmm. We're all, and but that was a that was a purposeful misleading there was mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't uh that wasn't really so i mean that was partially wishful thinking on the people who wanted to push the war but it was also a, a, there was a uh, concerted effort but anyway but there's there's tons of things in just a general press about all kind of stuff mm-hmm. that which you could go to that would be like um and i don't mean like um and snopes does this a little bit but i mean just like all of these these common things like like that um like we just talked about not like because snopes kind of debunks sort of conspiracy theories and stuff more than yeah. it does. Um, or like, you know, um, this will kill, if you drink this thing, it'll kill you or, 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 or do cell phones give you cancer or stuff like that. I mean, I guess Snopes kind of does it, but I, I think, I think there'd be something that could be a little more real time, a little shorter and, and, and available. You want a TLDR of Snopes. I want a TLDR of everything. I need it. I want a TLD because, you know, I was talking, I don't know if we've talked about this specifically on the show. I've talked about this a lot online about how, the importance of um, of uh, of having TLDR of stuff. It's not that because people don't people have a negative reaction thinking that well, if you just TLDR, then you have superficial knowledge about everything, right? It's like watching um, it's like watching cable news. Like it's very superficial. Um, 
And that's a problem. Like what we need is people to have a deeper knowledge of things. But just because I, I get a, a superficial knowledge of 20 stories doesn't mean I'm not going to go get deep knowledge about five of them. Right, exactly. Right. The, you, the ones that really in, pique your interest, you'll go and research deeper. Yeah, does it, does it hurt me that when I go to Google News that there's a list of, of, tit- of titles of articles? That I just read the titles? No. Does that hurt me? No, it probably helps. I just have some vagueness. It's the same when you open your, your Roku. You look through videos and you see previews and, you know, you zoom into the ones that are interesting. Yeah, so it's sort of a red herring uh, to say, well, you know, um, you know, we should do TLR. Everyone should read articles. Like, dude, if, if okay, so fine. If, I, if every article I read has to be, you know, 1,500 words, then I'm going to read like one a day, <laughs> one article a day, which is not not the best thing you need you need breadth and you need depth in certain things yeah you know, so i'm still waiting for a real good uh, tldr i, I want to be able to go to any article that i'm reading something that's in the economist or new york times or the atlantic or whatever and rather than go when i look and i go oh crap this is a seven page thing i just hit the tldr and it comes up with a three paragraph thing and i can just read it mm-hmm. and not a not a automated automatically generated crap Something, yeah, something written by a person. Yeah, the human being who know, who understands it really well and, and really reads it well. How much would you pay for that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'd pay twenty five cents, fifty cents. Oh, per, per go, you'd per go. Yeah. So maybe what you could do. But is, how much would you pay? Because what I'm thinking is, like, so you'd like this for Hacker News, right? Every story that comes up on Hacker News. Which is not that many stories. Not every story, but some stories. Stories that are longer, or like I think, like, no, but, I think I should but, read this, but but I mean that I have available. What, what I'm saying is, it, if they if if someone built us, if someone actually did this for every Hacker News story, you would then be satisfied because any Hacker News story you could go in and see a TLDR. How much would you pay for that? I don't, like I said, I, if I paid by story, let's say like how much would it be worth to me? But that would be worth. But say, let's say, I mean, that's a lot of money. If I paid somewhere between ten cents and twenty five cents for t- for a summer to read a summary of something, and every and a lot of people did the same thing, you could make a ton of money. You could well, pay people to write summaries of things because it, you know if you had if you had even just a hundred people pay twenty five cents, that's twenty five bucks. Well, what about twenty five bucks to write a three pair? So if you had you wouldn't say you if would, you had four hundred, that'd be a hundred dollars. So so so. How how much would a uh, a as someone you know who isn't fully employed but is intelligent? We have tons of liberally educated underemployed people who say, hey, you know, I I make you know twenty five to fifty bucks to write a summary for. But I mean, ha- how much would you pay per month to 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 have to have an to have a service that was basically TLDR hacker news? Um, I don't know. So let's let's say maybe I. So if I, let's say I did that on like. Five articles a day. Five articles were like long, too long. I'm like, yeah. I want to, I want to know the content of this. Yeah. But I really don't want to read the whole thing. Maybe I'd do that five to ten times a day. So anywhere, and if let's say I was willing to pay twenty five cents. Yeah. So you know, a dollar to two dollars. So times thirty. So I maybe I would probably pay. Um, I'd probably willing to pay twenty to thirty bucks a month or something. Okay, like that. so so tw- but I would probably pay more. I'd probably rather get paid on a per article basis. Even if in the end it may came out more, because some days it'd be like, "Look, I'm not paying for something." Like, but is there all you can eat? But it seems it seems like I mean, it seems like an all you can eat version of that would be more realistic, like where someone would charge say twenty four. Let's say let's do this price point twenty four ninety five. We're we're building an, an ass a SaaS app right now as we speak. Okay, so twenty four ninety five. So you subscribe to this thing, and the only thing that person has to do 
is TLDR of everything that comes up on Hacker News. And then you look at their you look at their site. You know, if you ever if you can basically see a clone of Hacker News on their site, but there's an extra link that's TLDR, and that's what you get from their service. Mm-hmm. Twenty five bucks a month. What you think they could get? A, like a couple hundred people signed up to that. Probably. I mean, look. I mean, think about like I um, would sign up to that. I mean, like yeah. that that would be amazing for amazing news source, right? Yeah. So everything that is in like, you because not just Hacker News, but you could also do some of these other sites like. All the major New York Times and and uh, stories and and all all the of the major papers and the major I mean, magazines, pretty much wired every- articles anything that's anything that's that has any length to it you know you you know that you you would be willing to pay that I would say a, a, any journalist in the world would pay for that like twenty five bucks a month to get TLDR of of all of the basic main memes and stories happening at the moment yeah I mean and especially if it was done really high quality right I mean it was really well done so you know like we hired Sarah to do yeah things. You know, Sarah is a full-time mom. She only has a few hours a day. Yeah. There are loads of people. I mean, it's just covered the press all the time. People who, who are highly educated, have master's degrees and all kinds of things, but they're underemployed because there just isn't a market for people who have a master's degrees in history or literature or philosophy or things like that. And they're like, well, I'm working at Starbucks. I'm working at the bookstore. But those same people have very, very good brains. And those kind of people could say, you know, hey, I... I'm a, I love reading about uh, stories about economics and psychology. So all those stories, I will take those and I'll write. I can do, um, you know, two of those, two to three of those an hour, and I get paid, you know, twenty five bucks a story. <laughs> and uh, you know, it wouldn't be a big. You know what it could be like? It could be like the kind of the 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 kind of micro Reuters. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. so, you know, and I think people a new service, yeah, and, like Reuters, and you, AP? Uh, yeah, uh, AP or Reuters, just serving out TLDRs. Of all the major stories and all the major, pa- I mean, I think that there could be money in that. Seriously, that's not a bad idea at all. Yeah, it would be a really good business, a really good startup. I mean, the reason some of these others have failed is just because the the summaries suck. Mm-hmm. They're just really bad, I think. And uh, you know, because I mean, any any like in today's like it's so saturated the space. Like, there's so much news coming out, right? So that's why it's it's it would be incredibly useful for you and me. I mean, I I would. In a heartbeat, I'd spend 25 bucks Google a month on a search. Not just Hacker News, we went to Google News yeah. or anything that had links to the the stories on it or something. So what you could do is you could have, you could have a, you could do it as a, uh, um, like a, uh, whatever, plug-in, like a, right. a Chrome or Firefox program. So it found links to any of the stories. Yeah. Immediately, right after the story, would say, have a little TLDR right after. Click on it and it would just do a, a it would either do a pop-up, so you yeah. can read it right there, or would send it to something like Instapaper. So you That'd be incredible. Cue. But it, but it, like you, you would need to focus on, on a specific niche. So I think Hacker News or something like that in the first, like sure, the Google fine. News or even just one section of Google News would still be really a lot to cover. But, um, and well, you know what you could do? You, you could maybe, okay, if you tied it in with Mechanical Turk, Mm-hmm. Right, so basically, you could you could automate the links that you could have a script that read uh, that scraped Google News and scraped Hacker News, prepared the story, sent it off to M- Mechanical Turk via the API, got the right kind of people to do the response. Or you wouldn't even need Mechanical Turk. Maybe you could build your own system. But as long as you had the right writers who could take the job, fit it out, push it back in, so you could have like an, a fully automated system with humans, human endpoints. Right. <laughs> Right, that could be pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, because I think, I think enough people would pay for it. people who are busy. Where time, any, anybody who's kind of an information junkie, yeah, like us, mm. and like probably a lot of our listeners, a lot of people, who a, lot of people. a little bit of money is worth less than than their time. Yeah, like, you know, I don't have a lot of time, but I want to read all this stuff. 
I want to, I want to have basic knowledge of this stuff. And, uh, you know, who'd be good, who would do be, do a good job of founding this would be Jason Calacanis because he'd have the cash. Well, he's doing something called launch ticker, which is sort of, sort of similar. It's, it's like, it's more ticker based. So it's really short. So he'll I get an email every day from him, a list of like, um, synopsized tech stories, but it's like, you know, Microsoft introduces X thing, charge it, you know, it's going to cost $159. Microsoft up 3% this day. So-and-so says this about it next. You know, it's very, very very short, much like a ticker. You know, when you say like a ticker, like a stock ticker, like a ticker, like on, you know, ESPN and have like the sports scores at the bottom. It's, it's, it's a little more than that, but it's, it's definitely not like a two or three paragraph TLDR on a story. I always thought the best thing about Mahalo was the bullet points. Like they're like in the very few times I've ever used Mahalo, they had like these, these flash key points that just kind of showed you. And if they did that thing with the news stories, that could be well, what you good. could do either. Like maybe you could say, I want to, I want to look at the bullet points and I, I read the bullet points first and then I have the. The synop- the three paragraphs synopsis. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's there's. I mean, it's like a new kind of micro publishing platform um, synopsis newsfeed thingy. Yeah, I wish someone would make it. So we've given two, I think, good startup ideas today. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that should be our new segment, Justin and Jason's startup idea. Things I w- we wish existed. Right. <laughs> did you hear? Um, just before you move on to something else, did you see the thing about? Uh, PayPal exec aims to obliterate passwords from the face of the planet. No, what's what's this? So really, just that there's there's a new specification um, coming out called uh, FIDO, the FIDO Alliance, and what we're what they're aiming to do is to try and get so that the whole problem of passwords is outsourced to your mobile device. So on your mobile device, you've got like a fingerprint or an eye, or maybe an eye scan or something like that, and then the website will check with your mobile device via the cell, via, you know, SMS or whatever. And that's how you'll log into a website in the future. What do you think? So an SMS? Not, 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 not necessarily SMS. It's just like um, somehow, I mean, your, 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 cell, your mobile device is connected to the network, right? Mm-hmm. So you go to the website. You say, let me in. It says, okay, do scans. You go, boom, scan your phone. Then you get in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that might make that might make sense. I mean, I actually read an article about the the Retina scan. There's a company that makes a Retina scanner that yeah. attaches to like an iPhone has like a case for the Retina scan. Yeah, the police officers can just hold it up to you, right, and, and scan your Retina. Um, you know, you could obviously have that in your phone for you could have maybe you could say voice activation, face recognition, yeah. fingerprint recognition, or, or iris. You know, whatever kind of what you maybe maybe you do whichever one you want you know for your own site so like you you can select any of these things i think it's coming yeah that that's exactly look see that these are the different authenticators mm-hmm. so you could like plug in a usb or you could uh speak Finger. you know yeah they don't have the um they don't have the iris scan but obviously that's available now yeah that's yeah. kind of cool i can see that I can see that too. Because the password stuff, man, these passwords keep getting hacked. Yeah. And it's... People keep on downloading like, a, you know, oh, 100,000 passwords downloaded from such and such. Yeah, place. I mean, it's not that you can't... It's not that you couldn't um, cheat the voice and and and, um, and the fingerprint stuff. I mean, were there movies where they would steal someone's fingerprints? Yeah. Like, how do they do Latex. that? Latex. They'd like put some... They paint some latex on their finger or something like they that. They give away like it's yeah. like glass and they were able to... They could oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they leave a fingerprint on glass, and then they brush it, and then that they see it, they take a snapshot of it, and then they turn it, create a latex finger out of it. Yeah, it's like Mission Impossible kind yeah. of stuff, or a voice. 
like you said, like you know, for us doing a podcast, yeah, they could just just really find yeah examples of us saying similar things, or even like voice recordings, like you call someone on Skype, record the conversation. I mean, a retina might be harder. You, that's where you Retina'd see that's where you see in movies when they literally pluck someone's eye out <laughs> yeah but maybe what you do if you have any two of them right like it would be hard to like let's say if someone wanted to like you know, like social engineering and they wanted to break into one of our sites they record our podcast and they and they and like like say there's somebody like pretend like they're friends with us at microconf and they go out to dinner with us and glass and they steal it off but that's kind of like that's like you know CIA movie kind of stuff. Right. Mission Impossible is not, I don't know if people would really do it, but that stuff would, even if though it is breakable in theory and that like, you know, the spooks could do it, it doesn't mean that, it, and it's way better than having, you know, a million passwords stolen off of. No, exactly. Well, but. Name, was that name.com or whatever? <laughs> but I mean, the thing is it? like, wouldn't you have to basically, you, you wouldn't have a million passwords stolen, but you'd have a million, you could, there must be a record of the imprint, right? The voice, it, like, so. You could still steal that out of their database, the record of the voice imprint or something like that. Um, actually, no. I think what you could do is, oh well, they could have a um, like a check, like a hash, yeah, like a hash. Okay, so it's a, so you'd steal the hashes, but I guess that wouldn't really help you reverse engineer it into a into an audio stream, right? Just like passwords, hash. They could do like an hash. Um, yeah, I mean, because even if you did like, I was gonna say like you do some kind of like polynomial like uh, encode like a um encoding like if i did like a neural net to memorize you saying something yeah 10 times say you know let me in 10 times like that's your and then it would do like a, a neural net type of uh of um representing that but essentially in a, in a way that's a compression algorithm you're compressing it into an equation and which is essentially compressing it which is the same thing as like encrypting it right encryption is a sort of a, a way of compressing information did you ever hear about Twine? Twine? Yeah, a Kickstarter project. It was uh, for a while ago, but basically what it was, was it was these little boxes that have um, internal temperature sensors, um, accelerometers, um, moisture sensor, and it'll kind of hook into your Wi-Fi and it'll report back to you if anything happens. So if it like tips up or if it gets hotter or if it gets wetter or anything like that, mm-hmm. and then uh, you can set triggers. So the triggers, like, so let's say it gets hotter, it'll ping an api endpoint or send an sms message or something like that mm-hmm. funky little funky little thing yeah yeah the, the uh there's a lot of cool stuff on kickstarter these days i uh i i it's like it's almost like you could um i mean it, it's like you can almost see the future like you could say by seeing all the things that are being funded like where are people willing to put their money or not like a sentiment analysis kind of like a way to google trends what are people willing to fund you know, I was thinking about... Can I, can I, I just want to say one thing about that. I, I think we're approaching a Kickstarter bubble because remember you said to me, when friends and family start doing things that, you know, for example, you said you can tell there's a bubble in the stock market because, you know, the cab driver and your mom are buying shares, right? Yeah, right, right. That same thing is happening or with real Kickstarter. Estate. When, when, you're, when your mom starts to go on to go to real estate license, right. everyone's a real estate agent all of a sudden. You know? That is literally happening with Kickstarter because my mom is starting a Kickstarter campaign to raise cash for an ice cream truck. <laughs> so I think we must be approaching a bubble in Kickstarter. If the my end is, mom the end is nigh. Yeah. If my mom is start is like involved in a Kickstarter campaign, we obviously Well have, you probably told her about it, right? I guess maybe. Yeah, so you I mean you get maybe, yeah. Of, she's yeah, I guess. Right. Okay. Anyway, so sorry, that what we could, But I was thinking you know, I was thinking about yesterday, um because you remember we were talking about the Google Trends on our last show about how the word color 
had a higher high correlation with positive returns on the stock market. Right, right. <laughs> and I was thinking, why would the word color? And I started, th- and I thought, you know, my theory is that when people look in color, they're thinking of buying something. I want a color. What color does this car come in? What color do I get for this? Well, that's interesting. So it 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 has a lot to do with. I mean, when people are talking about color, they're they're talking about a color of something, and if they're searching for the color of something, it's probably something they want to buy. Mm. So if people are typing color, it's probably me. A lot of people are searching to buy stuff. That's a that's a really good theory. Yeah, you like that one. I think, think that, I think that was I thought was the last time. I'm like, I think that's pretty good. Do you think that if we made that we basically made a bot, right? That checked it because you, you I remember what it was. Basically, it was if if the word debt was there a lot, buy short. Sell short. If the word and so basically you you, you basically sell it and then a week later you make your, your transaction right and you get out of it. And then if the word debt isn't there, you buy. Mm-hmm. Do you think if we just made a bot that does that, we'd make a load of cash? I don't know. It'd be fun. It would be a fun experiment. <laughs> I mean, I would like convert. I would do Twitter analysis. I mean, Twitter sentiment analysis. Yeah. As well as Google Trends. I'd also throw in um, Kickstarter analysis. I mean, anytime with a social Facebook, you know, I'd analyze all the social media streams, all the search streams, um, anything that had anything that collated information from a lot of different people doing a lot of different things um, that aren't directly related to. Um, the stock, the 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 market itself, yeah. you know, that isn't already filtered into everyone else, whatever else is calculating, but it's sort of messy and noisy. But it is gives, it gives a, a general sense. indication, you know, because it's like I was, you know, we talk about like the housing market. Like I was, you know, if you talk to certain people who are in the building world, like they know now what's going on. Like if you go, I, I was talking to this guy at the gym, um, Bobby, who uh, who who's uh, a builder, and he's like, yeah, it's. He's like he was talking about like it's 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 blowing up like and he was he, told me, he could tell me that three months ago or six months ago which is you know kind of before other other people start well hey it turns out there were X percent increase in housing prices over the period of X yeah so right? it's going so, up right now yeah right so stuff like that you know and there there's reason for limited you know limited uh, supply and and there's different you know available so that's there's reasons why it's going up it's not that the overall market is 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 generally awesome there's still employment issues and stuff but. Anyway, that kind of information is available. You can access it, um, but it's sort of um, it's not uh, it's not standard financial information. Yeah, it would be fun to do a project like that. I was reading an article last night about a guy who um, there's a startup called something like Ursats or Sats or something like that. It's like a it's a startup very similar to what I was remember I was playing around with that thing called um, Quantfire. Right. You could upload like a CSV of yeah. different types of data and you could, uh, it would normalize it and clean up the data and allow you to, and classify the data and then allow you to do like a run a neural net on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy's done it with uh, deep learning. Do you know what deep learning is? Deep learning is in simple terms kind of like a hierarchy of a neural net. So like a neural net has, has a bunch of inputs. Yeah. So um, we could, we could, say we're going to predict the stock market, you know, we're trying to predict the stock market, we could say, well, one of the inputs is the uh, percent change from yesterday. Another could be the, the traded volume, you know, things like that. Each one's a different input. And then it has one output, like either buy or sell, right? right? Well, imagine if you had a bunch of neural nets feeding into another neural net. So it's sort of like lower, lower. Uh, so he says level. buy or sell. So he says buy or sell. And then there's like 10 other ones that say some other thing, some other binary thing, but they all feed into this 
Uber. Uber, yeah. Ubernet, right, okay, yeah. Which is kind of like how our brain works, right, in a sense that, I mean, it's like some theories about it working that way. It's like we have these sort of subsystems about, you know, temperature and uh, are that our senses are taking in and, and all this kind of stuff and those filter into a, a you know a, a higher level cognitive function or something so a guy named uh, his jeff jeffrey hinton i think is sort of the he's sort of the father of, of of deep learning which i'm not sure what the difference is from just hierarchical neural hierarchical neural nets which have been around for a while yeah but it's become a kind of a big deal a lot of people are really excited about it i mean as there was and I, I know the guy um uh, Jeremy Howard at Kaggle wrote a big piece about how it's in for I think it was a slate or something about why it's a, a big deal why deep learning is a really big deal and uh, they had uh, was it I think Alex Ng Ng he's a yeah. Stanford professor talking about deep learning so basically it's a big deal basically a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, people in the in the industry in the industry and in academia are looking at so it so like it like an anchorman I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> so if you were a dealer so this this site um you know it's like ersatz or something I'll, I'll i'll put a link to it but he 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 as a test did a um a stock prediction stop stock selection yeah um and what, program and, based and on, what so you can upload the data i mean it wasn't that great it was like 48 percent correct <laughs> you know what he said but he, but it, i'm not sure how, how his statistics worked out but he said it was seven and a random Random selection, like a random uh, stock selection algorithm, would have been fifteen percent, not fifty. But I mean, you know how they say like, oh, neural nets, and like we're trying to get like to the to the level of a human brain. But I mean, a lot of humans are dumb. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's quite so the just, same so just conversation be- <laughs> though. <laughs> so just because you've got a like a network that's like a human brain doesn't mean it's going to be like maybe you maybe you've got a network like a dumb human brain. Well, a dumb human brain would still be incredibly would be brilliant by technology standpoint standards. <laughs> so I had, I had two, two things that we I had, I had loops. I want to close that we started, but I didn't get to finish. We should, by the way, we should probably think about wrapping this up. Uh, I got Otherwise we're going for the longest podcast. Well, in the world. this may be the longest we've done, but it won't be the longest of all time. <laughs> so I remember I said, there's two sites I want to exist. The other one was, I want there to be a site called the accountability project, which would document like people who say, Oh, you know, this should happen or this would be good or this would be bad. And it turns out to be really, really bad advice. You know, like oh, the yeah. one that I use all the time example, because, just because it's so obvious is like all the people who were talking about how the Iraq war was going to be easy and inexpensive. Oh yeah. Really good idea. People like David Brooks and, um, and, uh, Tom Friedman and uh, New York times. And, uh, well, what about and all the times when politicians don't keep the, their promises when they, oh, yeah, you could do the, pol- yeah, you could have politicians and you can have, but you know, also, but you have all these people who write all these op-eds and on all of these, um, these these writers at these big mag- magazines and big newspapers who are all who are prescribing all these things, and then it turns out that they're what they're subscribing is just disastrously wrong. But then no one holds them accountable. Everybody's like, oh, it's just throw it's go down what they call the memory hole, right? Nobody yeah. remembers. And it's like, I want the accountability project. Like you look up some guys, some somebody's name, and go, wow, they said this, 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 this. They are just so Off consistently base. wrong about. But it'd be so great for people things. who are right too. It would be. Yeah. yeah. Like these are the people we should be paying attention to. These are not the people we should be paying attention to, right? These people are negative indicators. If they say do X, you want to do Y. You do, yeah. you want to do negative X you know, or one over X. You do not want to be doing X. Um, anyway, so and the other thing, remember I was, talking about, I was talking about critiquing the New York Times uh, piece about the, uh, the, actually the target was Institute an Alternative to College for a Digital Elite. And one of the things that I was, I wanted to uh, mention, they were talking about, I can't remember how it filtered it played into the article, but 
this was in a, uh, I think it was in uh, the book Freakonomics. And they're talking about people who went to good schools versus people who didn't go to good schools. In fact, like if you took the people, they, 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 they analyzed kids who got into, who were accepted to a, uh, a magnet high school, when these really good magnets. So like they say math and science magnet school, right? Like right. you had to have good grades and good test scores. You had to be pretty successful to be, to be up for consideration. And then there was a lottery. Well, it turns out that the kids who didn't get to go to them, who, who, who qualified, but then get accepted based on the lottery system to the magnet and had to go to their regular high school, which was, in a lot of cases, not very good. It turns out those kids did better than the kids that went to the magnet. What do you mean better in life? They, I, I, I think they did better, you know, and like they got into better colleges or they did better, better GPAs or they better, better whatever. I mean, I, I can't remember. I read this years ago, so I need to, uh, I'd have to look at it again, but. It's in the, it's in the book uh, freaking but it's yeah. just basically the the point being that that they were more successful based on standard metrics of success in high school, I guess. Crazy, yeah, or, or going into college or whatever. Everything we think we know, we don't. know. It's like it's 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 it, it's 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 <laughs> the player, it's not the shoes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's like it's if you're good enough to get into Harvard, you probably don't need to go to Harvard. <laughs> you right. know. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up. Um, not a few things here. Uh, so one thing I was talking about at uh, MicroConf with Aaron Francis, who I brought up. Um, he's a listener, and he's doing. Um, looks like he's going to do a, um, a a titanium project for my buddy Mark. Which yeah, is pretty cool. So I don't know how we got into talking about this. We were talking about using Mailgun, and you're not supposed to use the same domain for like um, your regular email. So like you know. Justin at Digidoo or Justin at Plugio, you yeah. don't want to use that for transactional email. Okay. And I initially thought that you had to use, because I, I misread the documentation that you had to use another domain. So like you might use like, I remember my, my um, buddies over at Central Desktop. Central Desktop is was the regular email, but then it would be like central at desktopinc.com. I see, yeah. Or corporate type email. Mm. But I just found out you can use a subdomain. So I got a subdomain working on MailGon the other day. So oh, cool. Mail dot you know yeah. you started speaking digital. a bit quieter by the way just to let you know so yeah you sure don't, just keep the volume up just to get the so i all can right. get a good signal and make sure that you sound awesome on the show all right yeah <laughs> but i you know i have a few more topics i want to bring up but i don't want to um i don't want to uh monopolize there's some things you want to no i mean what well, all i would say is we've done over to like two hours okay like how so we what else you got to talk about you want to just really take this let's just go into i mean i don't know what's there's no you know, rush to okay. Go on then. So what so, next? Um, you know, you remember um, that one of our listeners who had contacted me about um, some of the stuff we were doing for Catalyst, and he said, "Hey, I'd like to help you build some of that stuff." Oh yeah. Um, you know, maybe we can do some kind of a partnership or for some equity. And um, oh, yeah, we had a we had a, a you know long phone call about it, and I I, I essentially just declined to do anything like that because I'm like I just don't want to complicate things. You don't right want now. any more partners. You said I'm done with partners. Well, I mean, it's just for stuff like that. Incidentally, you've you've taken since you said I'm done with partners, you've taken on two new partners. By the way, just so that you. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I, I just, I, I was trying to keep things simple. You know, I wasn't sure that there was going to be anything, you know, the catalyst has anything to do with business or whatever. Well, anyway, I, J- James, uh, his name is James Jensen. He emailed me, um, he's doing an Arduino project with his kids and a bunch of, they got a group of kids and just kind of like we're doing catalyst, they're doing, they're teaching them. Arduino oh, wow. Okay, and great. Yeah. And they're building in a robot with an Arduino robot. Yeah. Which is really cool. So he's, he's, he, um, he sent me the uh, their materials, like here are the parts we bought, and yeah. here are the questions that we're asking the kids, and everything like that. 
And I thought that was just really awesome. Cool. Doing that. So, um, so what, why are we going to bring it into catalyst? I don't know. I no, not right. Not right away, but I told him that maybe in the fall, yeah. Because he said, yeah, let us go through it once, kind of work out the kinks. Where are we at with Catalyst? What do you mean? Where are we at? Well, I, you know, in, we're at with what? Like, um, how was the last session, which I couldn't make? And uh, what, oh, what, right. like, where, where, how, oh, what's are we the moving update? forward with what's it? The like, yeah, what's yeah. the Catalyst update? So, um, where are you going? <laughs> you get up and start walking around. I don't know what's going on. And talking to your back. Okay, so um, let's see where are we at. Um, yeah, so you didn't make you couldn't make it last week because you were rest, you were wrestling with a bunch of uh, did you do yeah fire you were putting out fires yeah. Um, luckily, we had kind of a small class and a few different kids couldn't make it for various reasons, so it was just like six kids. Six kids. Yeah, and. Um, we're ha- I mean, the, the the local server thing is 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 down. We're having problems with it, okay, because of that keyboard and monitor you're requiring that. Basically, it doesn't that. start without the keyboard and monitor for whatever reason. Yeah, and it's just I, I'm trying to decide whether I want to keep doing it because it's a pain having to sync up the database. It's just it's just a pain in my butt. Yeah, I, I mean, basically, I think the only thing is is if you if you didn't have if we could change the way that the node thing worked somehow, like not have the input thing. You know, like the read line thing. Like, don't do console input. Yeah, basically, so just basically have non-interactive programs. Y- yeah, yeah. Well, that's we can't do that. Well, I mean, that's that's incredibly useful. We can't write programs like that. It's kind of annoying. Well, I mean, but that's not the big problem for me. Is it's, it's it doesn't really have anything to do with. Uh, oh, you talking about, you know, you why what makes using the web difficult? Yeah, well, it it seems to be that it was Node and all the connections that Node opens that makes the lo- that makes uh, the requirement for the local server necessary. Yeah, I mean, I think really, yeah, I think really what we need is um, just more powerful hotspots. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just don't think they're big enough. I think we did because I had two of them with six kids and we had no problems. Yeah, but it's that just, but honestly, the, the the local server thing should be perfectly fine. But it's it's, it's not because. You know, it, it requires me to uh, to sync the database every single time. I sync it locally. I have to sync it from the master to local, and then take it, and then we have to take it back. It's, which I just just more crap that I don't have to deal with. It's a pain right. in my butt, and I always forget to do it. Okay. You know, it's just like a bunch of manual stuff that I have There's to do. There's extra every stuff week. that you have to do. I don't want to do it. I mean, it's not my job. It's not. But can't you just write a simple script that just like downloads the database and like does a sync? So it's not just it. Yeah. Well, just okay. So what I do is I can take it out of the backpack, put all the plug, everything back in. Now I got to now you know get it back online. Now I got to run this script, make sure it runs. I mean, it's just it's like now, and you know how it is. It's like it's a total context switch. Whatever I was doing, right? So you just wasted thirty minutes of my day. Well, you just need to get more powerful hotspots then. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the. I think that's what I wanted. Maybe we could try with this cradle point one I've got right here. This is pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe try that because that's the pro- that's the problem. Is the hotspots just don't? It's just not enough. Mm. And okay. It's just uh, and so I one of the kids. I, one of the things I had the kids do was um, we played fight code game, which yeah. is like you write code to control a robot and a robot's robot tank, and the tanks do battle. And yeah. he, everybody has their code um, uploaded to a central site and so you can just pick any one of them and do battle against it and you can clone some people you know if you if, if you want you can make your code public so other people can fork it so they were forking i taught them what forking code was and so they were <laughs> forking code in uh, some of the other robots and 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 changing it and it so neat. is each robot like an agent that kind of does its own thing yeah oh nice yeah 
And, uh, you know, and it's event based. So it's like on idle, on scan robot, on fire, whatever. And you can move around and fire and turn, move its turret. And Right. Well, what about your secret project? How's that coming along? See, well, I, well, I want to talk about the catalyst for a little bit more. Okay. okay. Well, then. So, yeah, so the thing is, I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to decide is what to do about the summer. Oh. Uh-huh. Like, do I want to go for the summer or do I take the summer off or take part of the summer off? I mean, I have to give a one month's notice to the church, which is where we rent the room before, otherwise I get charged for it anyway. So uh, I haven't given notice yet. So I, I think at the very least, we'll probably do, uh, I'm thinking at the very minimum, we would do the first two weeks of June, of June, but maybe we just finish out June. And what would you do in that spare time? What would you use it for? No, I'm taking a nap. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. I mean, anything. I'm just, the only reason I'm just trying to, um, I don't know, it just, Take a break a little bit. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to take breaks from things, you know, because you get when 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 you never we never a chance to take a break for things. It's easy to get burnt out on it. Yeah. Even if it's something that's overall a positive experience, it just becomes kind of a grind. Right. You know, it's like with kids. I mean, it's like you know when you sign them up for a sport and they just play year round. They don't take a break. They just kind of get lose. They lose the love for it. Which so I we'll so we'll take a break for Catalyst over summer then. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I mean, maybe, I, mean, I could do with the time personally. Yeah. So, well, it doesn't take much time for you, right? You only show up that one time. You show up for an hour and a half. Yeah, but it's a lot of context switching. <laughs> well, an hour and a half a week. It's, not, it's not just an hour and a half. I've got to walk up. It's at least two and a half hours. And then it's the context switching. Yeah, but it's at night. So, are you always working during that time? I would normally be, yeah. Really? From six to. Well, because eight, Georgie I mean, works late that night. So, I, I would normally get stuff done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I'd also like to kind of move into doing some electronics and stuff too. Not just coding. Well, I don't. I mean, this was never meant to be just a programming. Yeah. Thing. I mean, I know that's the there's a big push out there. Like every kid should learn to program and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of coincidental with Catalyst, right? I mean, that stuff started happening after. So what, we'd move to like a circuit boards next. I was thinking that might be kind of fun. I'd love to. Yeah, and maybe we t- maybe we do some programming and then we and then we finish up and then they give me some of the summer to kind of prepare for it and get some materials and some um, curriculum and you know what we're, what are we going to do and move in that direction do some I mean not that we would abandon programming entirely but it would be something we would do we yeah. might start doing do that for like a while and then we intermix some programming so is that think? the catalyst update that's catalyst that's the catalyst corner yeah that's it for catalyst. okay so now now about your secret project where are we at with that Secret project. So I realized that I introduced a security bug in the object relational managers. Uh, um, so I had to, I'm in the process of fixing that. Oh, I added some sophistication with some of the querying stuff. And then I realized that I wasn't uh, doing something properly. I was looking at, uh, I was looking at the log of some of the queries. I'm like, Ooh, right. that's a hole. I got to fix that. So I'm fixing that. I didn't get to spend as much time on it this week as I'd like to. I, I, I spent a lot of time on Uber and, and so well yeah so we i mean we we are we're ready i think are you ready now i think we're ready so if i have it for if i have it ready if i fix this over the weekend you'd be ready on monday to use it yeah we would be yeah i mean i knew this week you weren't you got you just were out of town last week and then yeah this week we you were, were fighting fires fire, so. basically but now you're back in normal mode yeah okay and it would definitely be helpful okay well i'll make an effort to have it ready um by sunday night so mm-hmm. that you can configure it how you want it yeah because you know I, I definitely had to add in some settings to make it work how you want or how in, in every, in, in, in the people, the digital people who are on it are going to want their settings to be a little different. Yeah. So yeah, that's what's going on with, uh, 
Okay. The secret project. Um, um, so Anifu, we've given an update on that. Basically, we're just we're just adding Sarah's adding experts, and once she's got five rows on the homepage, we're going to do a big PR. Right. And um, so, what else we got for? One thing I wanted to uh, one thing topic I wanted to bring up. This was this is something that I'm going to use. So I have this kind of what I call like a like it's kind of a learning management system that's built into Catalyst. The oh yeah, the LMS. System. Yeah, the, the question man and the the Q and A system. Yeah, the choice sort of drilling system. And one of the things that I... Um, I I've never seen that yet. Really? Did you... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. We rolled it out. I remember we used that one one session. Yeah. It was pretty neat, right? Yeah, good. You yeah. answered like... You actually thought it was kind of fun. I did. You were answering yeah, questions. Good, and yeah. I was like... So, um, the... One thing was I adding support for equations. Yeah. And there's something really cool. It's called... I think... I, I had the link and it's like JQ Math. Mm. Or, I think that's it. And basically... It would allow you to define equations kind of using like markdown style or something that's kind of markdown-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, use like, you'd use like two dollar signs to start and finish. That's the start of an inline equation. Or in three dollar signs was like a block, an equation block, right? And then you could have, inside there have different things. Would, would So it's just to. text. Yeah, you just use quite text. We should just it. use that for... Um, did you do? Did you do? Yeah, well, you would ask me. You, you would ask me, theoretically, if we want to do equations, like, how do we do that? And I was like, well, there's something called math jacks. There's some things that are pretty slick, but... In this terms one is of, the best. This one seemed great. Like, I'll show you a demo, but and you can see how simple the mark... The, the sort of... I'm calling it markdown. I don't know what yeah. they call the markup yeah. text. Um, and the output. And the output looks gorgeous. And wow. the and markdown was pretty simple, and you could see like, and you're talking about the equations that you're going to be showing in high school, middle school. I mean, they're not going to be that sophisticated equations, right? And, yeah. and these are like very sophisticated, like you know, the stuff you'd have in like a college or graduate math course. And the 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 markup text wasn't that complicated. That's great. And so you could just build it right into your authoring tool. That is really good. Yeah, and it's supposed to be pretty fast. And is it uh, is it like the markdown? Is it like does it have a big list of command things? Would it be could I put like an they they click a button and it does a screen and that's that's the help that that gives them everything? Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Like you know, like what you would do is you'd say, well, here are like the most common things: square yeah. roots and powers and series and summations and things like that. Yeah. And uh, you know, they have some more you know matrices, and then you could like hear examples of how to do more complicated things that you know. You know, here's the top five things you're going to use probably. Yeah, that's cool. It was really neat. Okay, I'll check it out. Because I was looking around. You sent me a link for that, didn't you? Well, I first sent you something called to MathJax, which was more of a display situation that would actually read like more like an XML. It looked like it was like an XML kind of oh, description right. of it. Like I could, there was nowhere on the site in the documentation was really showing the like how you would author it. Yeah, yeah. And so I was looking around. I'm like, this is. And then I was in Stack Overflow because I was like trying to figure out, like asking the question, where can I, how do you author and display equations yeah. in HTML? And I eventually came across this and I'm like, oh, this is slick. That's cool. This is a nice So what's it called? JQ Math? J Math? I, I think. I'll put a link to it on the show. Is it, is it jQuery? No. Oh, okay. Oh, but it, you can, it can work with jQuery or not. Okay. Maybe right. it does. It's, if it it's called depend- JQ Math, it sounds like it's jQuery Math. Yeah, it would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Maybe it was based on jQuery. Yeah. Now I think about it. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, good point. Um, but that was cool. So nice. I can I can show it to you and you can integrate it into that'd be such like a I'm sure Matt and the Jiju people would be happy about that the ability to do equations, right? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. So what else we got going on? We got um done cat plugio. Well, I'll tell you uh plugio um 
I've just seen some cancellations. So I think my revenues been going back down to three and a half thousand now. Mm. So I'm going down. No growth. No growth. No. Waiting for uh, the videos from um, Corey Moss. Corey Moss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath for those. <laughs> How long has that been now? I don't know. A couple of months at this stage. Really? I think so. Yeah. What's Corey doing these days? I don't know. Any yeah. moves? We don't talk that? much. We don't talk much. He doesn't supply too many videos. We don't talk much. <laughs> Wait, didn't he move to Nashville or something? Something like that, yeah. From New York? Why? Maybe. Corey, email us. Or yeah. no, put a comment on the show notes because everyone's yeah. going to know. Where, where, where is Corey? Where in the world is Corey? Yeah. And why are you moving to Nashville? Right. My guess is it's less expensive and maybe he has a girlfriend or something. Mm. Is he married? Dude, I'm not. What am I? The the the, the like knowledge book of Corey Mass? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you well you guys were talking a lot. So what else we got? Um, what other projects we have? Uh, the the meek root thing. Um, nothing. Uh, nothing really on that yet. I I I built out a um, a lot of the um. Some so the first stage is going to be getting a lot of um, candidate profiles on there for yeah. you know developers. So, um. Once we have that, then we'll be kind of going to the next stage. So I got that working. So hopefully, I wanted to send them out today, but we have to get, um, I wanted to get some FAQ on there about how the site works a little bit. And so I'm waiting on Lola to give me that. Yeah. Better than that, I think. And I also need to fix that. I was also, the one last thing is that that same security. Oh, that was security. That I, found, or, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's based on Epic It's all of your projects, so everything. Well, the other ones are running on older versions that didn't have this new feature that I added. The new feature is what exposed the security hole, so then right. I fixed the security hole. Okay. So, you know. So, how, how are you guys still feeling about uh, Laravel for Digidoo? Are you still so happy with it? Great. I love it. You know, I mean, the the GUID thing's the only the only issue, but I don't even think that's going to be a big issue. Yeah. So, great. Yeah, Nothing so. to say other than just yes. And you guys are using Laravel 3, though, not Laravel 4. Laravel 3, yeah. Are you guys looking at Laravel 4, or what's the... Uh, my consider- the problem is, is it's just not stable. It's still, that's, you know, it doesn't have a stable release candidate, and um, they're they in early de- dev, as far as I'm aware, so... How many... Um... Laravel 3, if you get to the homepage of Laravel, it's Laravel 3 that they offer for download, not Laravel 4. Right, right. Oh, one thing I want to ask you about. I, so I have this um, mobile project that I'm involved in um, that I need some designs for. Oh yeah, and uh, I know that um, you know Mark on his project is going to be looking for a mobile designer. Um, do you do you know anybody who's a good mobile designer? Um, well, it depends. I do know what the one guy who did Splitsville, mm-hmm. but he works at Uber Media. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he takes on side projects. He's someone you know. He's the only one I know, yeah. You're, oh, well, no, I do know one other guy. I do know one other guy who does, uh, who used to be in Company 52 and now he works for Zappos. Oh, really? Yeah, but he he's he he's just focusing, he works for Zappos as their mobile designer. Oh, is, yeah, is, yeah. Okay. He's, he's, is he the guy who designed Plugio? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. That's cool. Well, and also, if if any of our listeners I know... I could put him in touch. I could put yeah, I, I'm going to talk to... See, see, see how much it's going to cost to get some get a mobile design. I mean, for the I find the mobile stuff harder design than the app because it's just from a standard web stuff because it's like the the native stuff that's built in just looks like crap. Gotta, well, the the one thing about the mobile is it's an interesting design thing because you have to um, really take contrast into opinion. Like mm-hmm. you have to really think about high contrast design. 
Yeah. Because you can't get away with the low gray, the, the low gray on white stuff, mm-hmm. which is what we so classically do on web. Because people, people are standing outside in the sunshine and they can't see it. Right. You know? So it's hard to design something as beautiful when you have to use very, very high contrast. Right. Right. Oh, <laughs> here's a funny thing. I was, uh, well, before I finish off, if you are a design, mobile designer and you listen to the show or you have a friend who's a really good mobile designer, please uh, email us at podcast at techzinglive.com or leave a comment or something. Yeah. Because uh, I would like to talk to them. So this is really funny. So um, I'm grabbing, uh, on Tuesday, I went to lunch with a uh, buddy of mine, Todd. And, you know, we we probably go to lunch once every two, three months or something like that. Are you yeah. falling asleep on me? It, uh, this is very relaxing. What do you think about this sofa setup? That's good. I like it. I like yeah. it better. I'm a lounger anyway. So. This is better, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down with this for sure. So we, we go to uh, uh, Father Nature, Old Town. I love Father Nature. Yeah. They do the best falafel in America. <laughs> And so uh, we're we're sitting. We'd order food. We're kind of sitting waiting. And he's he works for IBM. He's a um, like a brand manager. So he he or not a brand manager. He's a client manager. Or something. So he'll he'll interface directly with say, you know, Citibank or something. And Citibank yeah. says, hey, we need servers or we need this software and stuff. So he does all that interfacing. So okay. he's pretty technical. What's his name? Todd. Todd. Todd, Todd yeah. I'll just have Todd. Um. So t- he used to live a couple doors down from me. Um. So anyway. He always likes to talk to me about the latest startup or tech thing, you mm-hmm. know, obviously because, you know, of what I do. And he goes, he goes, hey, he goes, so, he goes, have you heard this thing called Uber? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, it's like, you can like order, you can like just click a button and like a, like a car will come pick you up. He's like, how does it even work? It's like magic or something. He's like, look at it. And he kind of, he looks at me and I'm just like, looking at it, like thinking, I'm like, are you? You're screwing with me, right? Like, yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, what's the joke? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> like I built a lot of core technology when there were like five people, right? And he's like, all right, now I know why Uber sounds familiar. <laughs> was like, so he wasn't making fun. No, he wasn't making fun. I thought he was like making. That, yeah, that sounds like, like that sounds like it was. Dude, he's like, I thought he was going to say like, dude, you know, Uber. Yeah, I read about them. They're taking off, man. That'd be awesome to like get in early in a company like that. You know, I thought he was just teasing me or something, but uh, it was so funny. I like, what are you even talking about, man? <laughs> so funny. Um, All right, well, oh. I got a couple more things. Let me just exhaust my. I would like to wrap this up at some point soon. Before you fall asleep on the couch. Um, Let's see. I read this uh, thing called Raspberry Pi working as like a a server. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool. Well, I've been saying that. Like, I'm sure I've said that at least four times that I think that they're going to have like uh, a rack of Raspberry Pis. They'll, They'll just have like a whole a whole bunch of you know where you put one rack in a server farm mm-hmm. now so you'll just put you'll have like 25 raspberry pies as one rack and then you'll push that in to your server farm so each one of those will have its own yeah well anyway. I've, I've people have done that they right put, okay. they have raspberry pie clusters there was a yeah. guy who was like he's like a, a, a astronomer or something did it with his 14 year old son so what so what was this article well they, they they were talking about it like using it like khan academy was using it where they would have they were they were experimenting with having a bunch of you know tablets or something that'll stream videos and they said all right well how how can we do this and so they were talking about using it with a you get like a 60 gigabyte sd card yeah like 
15 bucks or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Asbury car pie costs like 30 bucks or 35 bucks. And then they get like a, a, a Wi-Fi dongle, which is, you know, 15 bucks. Cool. And there's like a five dollar case. So, so it's like so, hundred dollars. So a dollars to stream to one person? No, they whole uh, they all all the tab whole classroom full of tablet streaming Khan Academy videos. There's a whole article about it. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. The Raspberry Pi stuff. Those are pretty powerful. I was reading an article this morning about how, um, you know, comparing the Raspberry Pi with Arduino and the um, Beagle board. Big War, another one, and like they all the trade offs of which one is better for certain things or whatever. But it turns out that the Arduino, even though it has a much less powerful processor, because it doesn't have an operating system and everything runs in C, actually isn't that much slower for a <laughs> lot of things. I don't know. No, I mean, that's what they said in the article. But hey, let me uh, let me just double check. I want you to see my um, my notes here because I had I read like I read like 25 articles last night in anticipation. <laughs> talking about at least one of them on the show right but i but we got started so so early this morning that i didn't uh let me see here uh find oh do yourself invisibility with 3d printing that was kind of interesting uh not really that your mic's rubbing on your shirt right there okay um oh yeah they, they they there's a guy who put up plans to uh 3d print a gun yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and but the 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 it was the I can't remember what department um, forced them to take it down. Oh right. Yeah, but although it's it was downloaded like ten thousand times or hundred thousand times. So. Crazy. Um, well, that's I mean, once that gets onto a bit torrent, what are you going to do? I mean, there's no point telling people to take it down. Yeah, Obama made back FBI plan to wiretap wiretap web users. New York Times. So more of that whole. FBI wanting to that so what they're, they're saying is the whole there was about a pushback because the thing on the IRS remember how I talking about the IRS felt like that wasn't a breach of the Fourth Amendment to break into emails to get your emails they didn't mm-hmm. need a warrant for that but they backed off that because a lot of big pushback after that got some press but then but what the FBI is saying is that things like Dropbox or Facebook or Twitter things that aren't that are public but not really public or some things that aren't even public but aren't like specific email communications that those don't fall under fourth amendment because you don't have this um expectation of privacy or something like that hmm. but that'd be kind of you know like your dropbox that's like looking in your personal lockbox. yeah that is really you know? bad yeah i mean it's and even you know i mean i could see i can see twitter because that's public right right yeah and uh and well you can have private twitter account yeah anything that's meant to be private shouldn't be no considered can, can shouldn't be considered public you know access denied mr obama yeah. Is that you? We are potentially moving to Altadena. Really? Why? Yeah, our yearly move. The yearly Vincent migration. Why? Um, well, we've done a year here. Uh, we're kind of sick of this place. And we've seen... You were always talking about... It was how long ago. You were like, I love this place. I got the pool. I you know what? I like the location, but I'm, I'm sick of how dark the apartment is. I'm sick of how small it is. And I'm sick of the fact that it's just... Plain, don't like it. But why Altadena? Because we found a really nice house that we like. But then you're not really near. You can't walk anywhere. No, you can't walk. But uh, well, I'll be driving. It's ten minutes drive. You're going to be driving. Yeah. No, you're not. Get another car. No, you're not. Oh yes. You want to get another car, so you want to spend how much more a month? You're going to spend on a car. Well, 199 bucks. Oh, you're going to get like a yeah. Why don't you just get a uh, rather than spend another 200 dollars on a slightly on a nice place like that, but local. Pasadena. We just, I don't know. With, uh, I don't know. Talk to Georgie. 
because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of the, the what makes living here great, not just because of weather, but it's like local to Paseo, to Lake Street, to Old Town. Yeah. You know, then you're just stuck way up in the but middle if you're of nowhere. Just, but if you're just driving, I mean, it's just 10 minutes away. But you're not going to drive that much because, first of all, you hate driving. I don't mind driving 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Like, I hate driving on a freeway. Like, I... I I hate driving on the the LA freeways that are like five lanes across that like I just get scared. Mm-hmm. But driving down just a regular Pasadena side street, I don't have a problem with that at all. Just ten minutes away, it's not a big problem. So where in Altadena? I mean, you like you always you even drive to me, like you literally drive to me every time you come over. Did you drive today? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You you're one block away. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, but I mean you don't drive, right? You well, I do car, I, I will drive. I will once I'm there because I won't be able to walk, so then I'm going we're going to get a car. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be no difference. I mean, it's not like um I'm out of out of the environment. I mean, I'm like 10 minutes away. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just wondering why you're going on the, where in Altadena is it? Cuz Altadena is big. Where are you So going? it's it's like you, you go you go north, past the, like, the highway. It's just by the just by the foothills. Just by the foot. Oh, so you're there. way up there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you're gonna have to you now. So that's a little more than ten minutes because you get all the way up. Maybe late. fifteen minutes. Yeah, you're way up in the. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Know. I it's, it's it's not as bad as moving to Savannah. Exactly. <laughs> no, but it's let's put it this way: it's not as far away as Eagle Rock. You know, I mean, I would not live in Eagle Rock. Why I would mean, you live there? It's just very. It's very close. To, you, to we, were you guys considering Eagle Rock? Yeah, we we do like Eagle Rock. Yeah, do you really? Wow. Yeah. Do you think people like this conversation? I don't think people give a crap about this current discussion right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is the kind of thing that probably shouldn't be on air. All right, fine. We'll we'll, we'll talk about this after. All right, fair enough. All right, all right. That's a wrap. We're out.